You've heard me talk about how convenient HelloFresh's contact-free delivery is forever, but it's been especially helpful this past year. Haven't signed up yet? Right now, you can get 12 free meals, including free shipping, when you go to HelloFresh.com FilmCast12 and use code FilmCast12. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen, and I think the real CEO of PALS, his name was Jeff Bezorkerberg. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Imagine rainbows flying out of my face. <laughs> Joining us also for today's episode, he is the co-host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, Dan Vosden. Trust me, bud, you do not like fun. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dan Vosden. How's it going today, man? Thanks for I, being with us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. I, I'm delighted to join you guys uh, to talk about another Sony Pictures uh, or animation uh, <laughs> film. That's Indeed. the trend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Mitchells <laughs> versus the Machines. Uh, that is going to be our main review for today. Before that, we got some what we've been watching for you. We also got some uh, film news, a little bit of film news dropped today that we want to talk about, some Marvel details. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. If you want to support this show, all you got to do is go to Patreon.com slash FilmPodcast, get access to ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. This week on The After Dark, Dan Kavazan will be joining us to discuss Invincible Season 1, streaming right now on Prime Video. Should be a great conversation. Again, that's available exclusively over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. But before we get to any of that, Jeff Kanata, welcome back to the show, man. How's it Thank going, you. dude? Oh, it's been better, Dave. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I really appreciate you guys letting me drop out of the show at the last minute last week. And uh, um, I appreciate all the really wonderful sentiment I got from the audience o over the course of the week. So uh, thank you all listeners who, um, who sent kind wishes to me and my family. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome back anytime, Jeff. Um, and we wish you the best of luck in resolving uh, the, the challenges that you're currently facing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're all with you in, in heart and spirit and mind and all that stuff. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be, uh, I don't want to burden the audience with my, uh, my family's woes. It, it was a very heavy week. Uh, I'm not trying to hide anything. There's no secret to what happened. My, my daughter, Zoe, who actually turned three on last Saturday, um, we got some, uh, genetic testing back that we had actually ordered two years ago. Uh, when her first year on this planet, <laughs> um, she had some developmental delays and we were pretty concerned about her. And so she got an MRI and she got, um, a, a lot of a battery of tests, including a genetic test. And we learned, um, in that first year that she had some brain damage that we believe was caused by her birth experience. Um, Zoe was breech and um, they tried a, a, a version, which is when they try to actually physically move the kid in the womb uh, to write them. And it, it failed, but we think there may have been some damage to her in, in that attempt. 
Uh, so we knew that Zoe had some some brain damage, and she had some uh, one half of her brain didn't grow as uh, in, in sync with the other half. So she was very uh, heavily, you know, she had some weakness on her left side of her body and stuff. Anyway, so uh, we kind of chalked up all of her developmental stuff to that. And uh, over the last several years, we've had lots of therapies with Zoe. She has three different therapists that she's been going to, a speech therapist, a um, occupational therapist, and a physical therapist. And um, we have seen huge improvements in her. And we were really thinking that she was on track and and doing great. And she's getting language and she's she's doing great. Um, but we had ordered this genetic testing. And I guess because of COVID and a number of issues, it had taken way longer than it should have uh, to get back. But at this point, we just didn't expect there to be any, you know, big right. negative uh, results. Um, and last Tuesday, my wife uh, went down with my daughter. And because of COVID, they wouldn't, they literally would not let two parents uh, enter the building. So she went by herself thinking that it was going to be fine. Um, and we were told that uh, Zoe has a, a genetic mutation. She's a mutant, but like not the cool superpowers kind. Mm -hmm. The uh, scary life expectancy is reduced kind. Um, and so they they told my wife some some pretty devastating news that my wife that the, my daughter has something called PDCD, which I don't need to go into tons of detail. I don't want to bore anybody or, like I said, burden the audience. But just for clarity's sake, uh, basically means she can't her body can't process sugar at all or carbohydrates. Um, so, uh, she gets on the phone with me and the first thing that the doctor says, uh, on the line is she says, uh, I have to tell you two things. The first is this can't be fixed. And the second is your daughter has a condition and most kids don't live past their adolescence. So that's how the conversation started. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So it was it was a it was a pretty big wallop, uh, and after that, it you know, I have a lot of, in retrospect, a lot of uh, anger around how that call went and how that news was delivered, because it turns out in the intervening two weeks uh, that we have a lot of hope and we have a lot of um, reason to be hopeful, um, and I don't know if that was a technique that is instructed <laughs> to kind of, you know, deliver the worst news as bluntly and early as possible. But uh, it turns out that we actually have a lot of reason to be hopeful for Zoe. Uh, this is a condition that affects the X chromosome. Uh, and because boys have an X and a Y chromosome and girls have two X chromosomes, uh, it is a far, far worse condition for boys. And therefore all the data about the condition is skewed because of the boys. Uh, it is it is devastating to a boy, and we are very fortunate in this case that Zoe is female because um, it 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 appears that her second X chromosome is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for her non functional first X chromosome, um, and we're very fortunate that Zoe seems to be. Uh, uh, a relatively mild case uh, in, in comparison to the the boys and, and even some, some girls. So um, this notion of like, 
she's not going to live past her adolescence, which was delivered to me, you know, immediately and bluntly. Uh, I don't think is going to be true for her. I think she can, she can live. There are a lot we've since, you know, made contact with a bunch of people and support groups that have kids that have this condition, which I should mention is exceedingly rare. Ex- yeah. That- it's, mm-hmm. it sounds like like maybe the guy who gave you the news, like just didn't even know that much about it. Cause it just seems so rare that so few yeah. people have yeah. it. Right? Yes. It, yeah. They, they estimate maybe 200 people in the entire United States have it. Wow. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, in, in, in extraordinarily rare. Uh, but it is a mitochondrial disease of which there are many, many, many different types. Um, this just happens to be a really, really rare one. Although I, my wife and I are starting to think that perhaps there are more people that have it than we know about just because so few people get genetic testing at this scale and this breadth. Um, and it may be something that actually doesn't affect girls uh, to the point where people require genetic testing. Like I, I would imagine some people just chalk it up to other reasons or even have diagnosed other reasons without genetic testing and, you know, live lives that are a little different, but not catastrophic to the point Mm -hmm. of needing, you know, genetic testing or whatever. Anyway, the point is, um, it was a very, you know, that was the worst day of my life easily. And it was a very tough week. Um, I kind of, you know, we just sort of retreated as a family and started, reaching out and, and getting in touch with like the doctors in the country who know the most about this, of which there are only a handful uh, and they're all over the place, but they have been incredible. And I, I should also mention, uh, I tweeted asking for some help and people connecting me to, to certain doctors in certain hospitals. And there has been just an overwhelming amount of support and generosity from folks, you know, people who had minor connections to things to major connections to things, but everybody reaching out and trying to help. And it is really unbelievable, uh, and heartening and, and, um, humbling, frankly. Um, so I feel very lucky in that regard that we were able to be connected with some of these incredible doctors, uh, and all of them to, to a person were generous with their time. Um, much, (laughs) much better bedside manner than the first doctor we talked to. And, um, Really, I think we we're coming out of it. You know, we're going to have our lives are forever changed. Um, Zoe, you know, has this condition, and she is going to have. You know, she's going to be one of those kids that, like, if she gets a normal uh, illness, it's going to be it can be catastrophic for her. Or if um, you know, if she goes to the hospital, the doctors will need to know very specific instructions of what can and can't happen for her. Um, so it'll be a lifelong thing that she'll deal with, but it, 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 I don't believe anymore that it is a death sentence. Uh, and I don't believe anymore that um, she is going to not have a, a full life. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic and uh, grateful. And uh, I've learned a lot uh, 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 in, in the last couple of weeks. Um, and you know, a number of things that I'm taking away from this situation, uh, that I think would be useful to listeners of the show. Like I said, I don't want to burden people with my problems, which I seem to do frequently. Uh, it seems, you know, between my multiple surgeries and, and whatnot, I feel like I'm always coming on here <laughs> looking for a house for God's sake. Last time I was on, uh, <laughs> it's a recurring like, segment. Yeah. What's yeah. what bullshit is Jeff dealing with now? Um, it's not a burden, Jeff, but continue. 
uh, one of the takeaways I think for, for listeners of the show, or certainly was for me and, and perhaps can be useful for listeners is, um, you never know what people are dealing with. Yeah. You know, you never know what people are dealing with. And one of the things that was so incredible about this experience is how many people reached out to me via email, via Twitter, a number of places, and just said, hey, I, you know, I haven't gone through this, but I have gone through this and this, or I have a friend who did this, or we have a child who've had difficulties here and there. So many people sharing their struggles and their emotional roller coasters and you know, it's so easy for us, especially in, in the social media world we all live in, to just judge everybody mm-hmm. by their worst moments or judge everybody by the snide comment that you read, that they posted. And you just, you never know what people are going through. You never know what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And it could, I think it could benefit all of us to be kind and try to, you know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt and, 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 uh, yeah. understand that there's a lot of fucking pain in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I totally agree with that. I think honestly, to me, it feels like tensions are high right now, just yeah. in society. Right. Uh, and I totally agree with that message, but another takeaway I have from what you're saying, Jeff, is I think that like people are going through all these things and they, may, maybe they don't talk about it very much, mm-hmm. you know? And exactly, like you, yeah. you sharing about it, like, yeah. gives people permission almost to do it in, in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. And like it, it offers the ability to, to connect uh, about it. And I, I think it's, I, I think it's brave what you're doing to share about it. And yeah. I appreciate you doing it. And I, I appreciate yeah. you saying that. I, and I, I hope that that's the case. I hope that, you know, I, I'll say one other thing. It's 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 a weird environment to say this because I think it's fraught with uh, going too far in one direction. You know, we are we are in a culture right now where a certain percentage of people just reject facts. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm a little hesitant to say what I'm about to say, but one thing I have learned late in my life here. In the last couple of years in dealing with a n- numerous issues uh, with my eyes, with my throat, <laughs> with now with my daughter, uh, always get a second opinion. Doctors are people. And as much as I trust in facts and science and, and will, would never deny the facts in front of me, uh, it, it is... I think something that I did not take to heart until I lived it mm-hmm. always, always, always get a second opinion. And that is the scientific method, you know, yes, like you're right. Yeah. Very, very good point. That's what's, yeah. uh, that's what's amazing about science is like the, the self interrogation is built into mm-hmm. the yes. process. I think. Yeah. yeah. Peer um, review is science, but, but, but I think that I lived a, a life where I think I sort of abstracted experts into a category mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. removed their humanity or their fallibility to a certain extent. And I think that's, that's, it's not wise to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not wise to, uh, 
you know, invent your own facts if they're inconvenient, but it is wise, I think, to get as much information as you can, because, you know, a couple of times now I, you, you have, you guys have yep. lived it where I've literally been, been told the the sky is falling, you know, to my face from a doctor and then got another opinion and went, you know what? It's not as bad as was first reported. And, you know, the danger is people are like, well, yeah, that's what climate change is too. You know, all that bullshit where it's like, oh, we can go too far that way. But I think listen, think, gather lots of information, get multiple opinions, get multiple experts. It really is useful and it really can, can temper, uh, the the emotional roller coaster of it all if you realize okay this is our f- this is the first step in get, gathering the facts not the end step yeah mm-hmm. i mean i think something i said last week on the air was how for something like this it's not a linear process right, right. you think like hey diagnosis treatment and you're good to go you know like it's you're searching for experts and some right. experts will tell you different things and like because it's such a rare condition you know uh, in this specific scenario yeah it, it's going to be a process it's going to be a process so well w- we thank you for sharing jeff and yeah, good uh, luck jeff yeah, yeah. thank you luck. guys we're all wishing it. you the best so many listeners out there uh care about you and and wish the best for you and your family so thank you um yeah we will uh, we will keep you in our thoughts and feel free to update us when you feel comfortable we'll do well jeff it's hard to make a transition from that into yeah. talking about marvel that, movies yeah onto more uh, important things <laughs> yeah you know, no i think the if world. there was any one thing i would want you to transition to it would be marvel <laughs> movies yeah yes. I, I would yes. i would you know part of me wants to do a speaking of blank you know trans segue but it's uh <laughs> I just don't think it's gonna. I just don't think it's gonna happen, Jeff. Yeah. I think I would come off as well, callous. F- for you know, in your defense, Marvel hasn't done any any actual mutant movies yet, so mm. it's a, it's a harder transit. If, if we if you know if they announced the the new X Men v- movies, then way we could say. Uh, speaking mm. of genetic mutations, <sighs> okay, I'm glad wow. you said that and not me. Uh, <laughs> so this morning, Marvel dropped a three and a half minute long trailer question mark promotional video it, it was that, more like a celebratory run it's like you know after a touchdown yeah you're it's, doing like, the it's dance. like you know the dance that the yeah, quarterback does that yeah. with the the receiver does after a touchdown yeah uh, exactly. it's, it's the, an anthem it's the trailer it, equivalent sure. of that basically yeah, i think, it, I think yeah. everybody needs to be doing these like if they want us <laughs> i'm serious like to get us back into the theaters i, I think it's important to have some hope in, in all situations but like this was like a warm like arms extended welcome to a hug although maybe we shouldn't be hugging in this era <laughs> but uh like it, it it got me excited to go back to the theaters and made it real for me in a way that i haven't felt in a long time and you know if we've got all these movies backed up i don't know why everybody's not like <laughs> like getting you pumped about yeah, the right? theatrical experience guys guys so many avatar movies we we got them. we got them. <laughs> one after another yeah, they must, the left, now. they must have left the avatar out of this one it's weird yeah um but Let me just tell you my emotional experience watching this thing is uh, we we have basically the last two things we've watched are WandaVision, which was overall very good, but with a pretty Uh bad finale, in my opinion. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier, which, Jeff, you weren't here for our review, but we pretty much thought it was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, And... I'm like, okay, like pretty <laughs> yeah. skeptical of the whole Marvel machine. I'm what, what if to we wa- made a trailer of all our key moments? You then know, start, just the things to pull your heartstrings. I start watching this thing, and then when that 
kind of remix of the, or uh, not remix, like maybe reorchestration of the Marvel theme song kicks in. I'm just like, d- d- it has an effect on me uh-huh. that I cannot deny. You know, it yeah, just, dude. it just yeah. is really like, oh my gosh, like it, it, there's something. Y- yes. I had yes. tears streaming down my face, Dave. I'm 100%. not going to lie. I mean, sure, Disney has helped to kind of bifurcate movies into ultra low budget and like the one billion dollar blockbusters and may have helped to lead to the destruction of most indie movie theaters in some ways yeah sure sure they're basically celebrating the fact that they own our culture and we're their bitches for years to come yeah they're cultivating a monoculture that will squash any real diversity in storytelling I don't remember what my follow-up was. No, I'm but, just joking. It was, if you can't enjoy it along the way, what's the point? It, it, Despite all those things, I mean, I can't deny, man, this thing got me amped. I mean, it just is really well put together. And it's one of the first times I think a promotional trailer for a movie studio has used bootleg footage taken from a theater in the trailer itself. Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, you stole our footage. We're just we're just going to steal it right back. <laughs> we're going to steal it right back. Uh, Was that real? I, I, for some reason, it looked like a construct to me. Maybe I'm going crazy, <laughs> but like it looked like... There were like, a lot of those floating around. Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, no, no, Dan, people yeah. actually used to go to movie theaters. It's hard to imagine <laughs> and now. Cheer. Yeah, no, oh, I, yeah. I, I understand, but something something about it looked like a construct and but then it then my my second thought was oh great like we can go back to theaters and have a guy's head block the whole screen <laughs> like, it, like it was like as, yeah, as it, promotional it, as it was it reminded me oh maybe i don't love this experience <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they would lie because they said like opening night i think in yeah. the in the image i don't think they would lie about it i think it was the angle pretty... of the camera right because it, yeah. it can't be eye level it has to be like chest level where you're hiding it in your jacket yeah or it could have been it could have <laughs> been like an officially sanctioned version of it you know but i don't think it was fake mm. Um, but so also along with like, uh, all, all this celebration of movies and of how they bring us together and all these big moments from the Marvel films that we enjoyed together, they announced several titles for upcoming films and release dates for upcoming films as well. And we are going to get to those in a moment. Hey, I want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor masterclass. I am in love with this. Have you seen this? Masterclass has incredible people, the roster of people that will teach you things on Masterclass is unreal. You can learn from the world's best minds anywhere, anytime, and at your own pace. And I'm telling you, no joke, this is my new routine now. Before I go to bed, I watch some Masterclass. And you are listening to the Slash Filmcast right now. I'm sure you are interested in all of the numerous triple A above the line talent that they've got teaching their craft. People like Aaron Sorkin teaching writing. People like Samuel L. Jackson teaching acting. Natalie Portman teaching acting. Helen Mirren, Spike Lee on directing. Martin Scorsese on directing. I mean, it is a who's who of all the people whose minds you wish you could pick about these various topics. They've got them talking in their own voice, teaching the things they find most important. I watched all of the Steve Martin on comedy. So fascinating, so interesting. I watched a lot of the Aaron Sorkin. So yes, there's going to be tons of stuff in our shared hobby, that love of film, film writing, film directing, film acting, all of that stuff. But the thing that's been such a revelation to me is how much fun I've been having with Masterclass watching the other stuff. I watched... Thomas Keller 
the guy who founded the French Laundry, the chef, master chef, Thomas Keller, he taught me how to make an uh, omelet and scrambled eggs. And I made this weekend, I made my wife some scrambled eggs based on this technique. And she goes, what, what, what did, how did, what? These are amazing. It's so unlike the ones you usually make. And I was like, yeah, no, I took a master class from Thomas Keller. She's like, Thomas who? And then we had a whole discussion about it. It was amazing. I've been watching the Penn and Teller teach magic to learn some fun sleight of hand for my kids to wow my kids. I mean, it's it's just endless the amount of incredible knowledge you can find on Masterclass. I am legitimately blown away by the depth and breadth of knowledge available on Masterclass. And I think you have got to check out all of the interesting things. I mean, you're going to go down the rabbit hole like I did with all of these fascinating people talking from their heart about the thing they love most. You can get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a Slash Filmcast listener, you get an extra 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash filmcastpod. That's masterclass.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-P-O-D, filmcastpod, for 15% off masterclass. All right, let's talk about these titles and release dates that were announced. So here's what's coming up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We got The Eternals, November 5th, 2021. This is the first footage from Chloe Zhao's The Eternals that was revealed. About like 10 seconds of footage, I think, right? Mm -hmm. It's Uh, just Eternals, Dave. They dropped the the. All right. I I apologize for that. Thank you for that. so uh, the also uh, the Shang-Chi movie, right? Is September of 2021. Uh, Pretty sure they had a date, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. some there of was these already had dates. Yeah. Some of these already had dates. Um, yeah. Spider-Man, I think it was December of 2021 as well. So theoretically, is are, are we talking like three Marvel films in four months, right? We got Shang-Chi, Mm-hmm. Uh, Eternals and then Spider-Man between September and December of this year. We, we got backlock from last Widow. year. Yeah, and yeah, Black yeah, Widow. Black Widow's coming up like in the next like couple months, right? So, right. yeah. Um, so then next year, 2022, you got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, March 25th, 2022. Thor: uh, Love and Thunder, May 6th, 2022. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, July 8th, 2022. Uh, the great Marvels. Yeah, yeah, great title. The Marvels, which is Captain Marvel, the the title for Captain Marvel two. In November eleventh uh, of twenty, with all the Marvels, including Miss Marvel, I am very excited for that. Yeah, and more then, Marvels. Yeah, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, uh, February seventeenth, twenty twenty three, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, May fifth, twenty twenty three. This is just yeah. yeah. It, it, this it is, is pulling an Oprah. You know, it's like <laughs> every year, every year we got more and more. You get one, and you get one. No matter what your fandom is, you get one. And what don't forget is, Fantastic Four, the big logo coming in at the end. Is, that's the the spine tingling. Mm. So, and and the the beginning of the trailer is this idea of family, and of course, the Fantastic Four has always been called Marvel's first family. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think we're building to something. I think we're building clearly there is a theme here in the multiverse of madness and quantum mania and this idea of uh the stuff we've already seen in you know uh wandavision this idea of manipulating reality having multiple realities i think it's all this is all leading up to another infinity Mm -hmm. gauntlet Mm -hmm. infinity war type uh, uh meta story that 
I'm super excited about as well. And I think I think the Fantastic Four are going to play a big part in that. I'm so mm-hmm. curious if they're going to be able to do a repeat, you know, of uh, the the kind of Avengers cinematic universe, as it were. Right? Like, it just feels like fa- phases one through three, I guess, technically is what it was, right? That led us to Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like that was such a huge accomplishment in terms of movie storytelling and superhero storytelling that I'm like, I'm just like, are they going to be able to pull something of that magnitude off again? Right. right. And it feels possible. It feels because possible. Yeah. Those first stages were distinct characters, right? Like, I think that was, there was something neat about it. Like, oh, you introduce these characters, you bring them together for the Avengers. You do it again for another phase and again for another phase. This is so many different things going in so many directions where, yeah, we don't know what it's going to be. Although, as you point out, Devinra, many of these are based on characters that we already know, right? Like, of all the things I just read, the only one that, or the ones that, like, aren't based on characters we already know are, like, technically Shang-Chi and then maybe the Marvels, depending on who's in that. But like and all Eternals. The, Eternals, and Eternals, for sure. Eternals is all yeah, Eternals, yeah. yeah. But, like, the, that's, you know, that still leaves, like, what, six movies where we already oh, know yeah. the main characters of it. So they're not, like, introducing a bunch of new characters. They're kind of taking existing characters that we already know and extending them. Dan but there Gawson, will be a lot yeah. of new characters in yes. these movies. Like, that's the thing. Like I mean, you, there's a Black Panther movie spine. without yeah. the Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, uh... Dank Vossen, curious, uh, as a big comic uh, comic book fan, like what are your thoughts? What what excites you the most about this slate? Um, I'm excited by like how little we know. Uh, you know, like the <laughs> the titles, you know, can, can tell us something, but I, I have no idea the direction that this is all going. And uh, the thing that has me most excited is Eternals because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a property that very few people, even comics fans, know much about, and it is all about the history of the Marvel uh, universe. And I'm guessing in this case, the Marvel cinematic universe, that whole history will be explored and how the world all fits together. And to me, it seems it's priming themselves to go like super cosmic and really weird. And all the other titles back that up. I mean, we're getting like confirmed now in Spider-Man, no way home that Alfred Molina is returning as Dr. Octopus you know, what does that mean? I have no idea. Um, and I'm sure it has to do with the multiverse and stuff, but, uh, I'm excited to see them get really weird. And as a result, a kind of a recent trend, you know, you and I talked about it with our captain, uh, America, or I guess like Falcon and winter soldier content. And now there's a leaked image of Miss Marvel in costume that, uh, came out recently. And I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating that, all of these designs for these costumes are moving more comic booky. And yeah. if that's a signal that we're like getting comfortable going weird with Marvel and people sure. are ready to embrace it. I'm, I mean, the, I'm all the for Captain that. America Falcon costume certainly was a sign that they don't give a fuck about <laughs> right. making yeah. things M- look Ms. good. Marvel anymore. has the full on like, you know, um, Robin from Batman and Robin mm-hmm. style, uh, the domino mask. mask. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and th- I think that's a first, uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the, absolutely all over the place in the comics, right? But first time we're seeing that here, and I think uh, n- not. Who knows? Who knows what that image is, right? It, it, we we could have seen a picture of, uh, you know, the Scarlet Witch costume from the Halloween episode and been like, what? You know, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but it is kind of. I'm with you, Dan. I'm I, I'm tingling with all of that possibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other weird thing I think to kind of uh, assess is, you know, we're getting a whole season of Miss Marvel. So by the time we get to the Marvels, which I imagine is going to feature the three 
you know, Marvel related characters in the, the two Captain Marvels and Miss Marvel will have spent more time with everybody not named Captain Marvel um, <laughs> than we have with Captain Marvel. Like she's been in one and a half movies being on being generous. Right. Um, but we're going to spend, well, we just spent a bunch of time with Monica Rambeau and we're going to spend even more with uh, Miss Marvel. So gotta keep the mystery alive, Dan. Like yeah. Yeah. Brie Larson is a busy person. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's got things to do other than being Marvel related movies. It's just so. weird uh, to me. Like the, it is the, weird. to be yeah. so intimate with yeah. someone that's not the like, like lead movie character. <laughs> yeah, that is a little weird. That she is, knows, but, she knows when to leave. Like she knows when to leave when she's like, yeah, done good. Right? You don't overstay your welcome. She yeah. just pops in. We the right always moment. leave them wanting more. Mm-hmm, That's kind mm-hmm. of the situation. So, but I agree with you that, that it does feel as though uh, I think Jeff, the way you put it when Wandavision debuted was like these people know they're playing with house money in the sense that they have earned so much credit. Billions of dollars of credit, to be specific, and uh, they're going to spend it uh, going yeah. as out there and outlandish and wacky as possible. I think you want fifty yeah. million dollars per episode. Go wild, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 and I have said this numerous times. Now I'll say it again. Kudos for that. Like you, it is, it is a very rare position to be playing with house money and go ah let's not let's just do the same thing over again everybody does that everybody does that nobody goes let's push the boundary let's throw old characters in the garbage can introduce new ones use all of our capital to expand and diversify nobody does that and it's pretty awesome i mean look at fucking star wars you know it's the opposite of this it is, let's, you know, let's mine the same tired characters over and over and over again. Uh, and I th- I just think it's so e- exciting mm-hmm. as a Marvel fan from way back. I, 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 I would say that this franchise is definitely expanding farther than uh, Star Wars has. Yeah, but I yeah. would also say that there is more that is similar about many of these films than there is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree, like, aesthetically, they're really branching out. And in terms of characters, they're probably going to branch out. But when you look at things like WandaVision, it ultimately, it started really, really interesting. It ultimately became very recognizable as a Marvel property, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm just tapping well, it down a little bit, Jeff. That, that, that's saying. why I'm really excited but, about Eternals, though, because it does look so like, I, I was wondering, is this going to be a Chloe Zhao movie, you know? And just, we got, what, a couple seconds of footage in it. Yes. Yes. It Jeff, looks like Jeff, a Chloe Zhao movie. Yeah. Jeff, have you read any of the Eternals? Yeah, I I read the big reboot that happened, I don't know, a bunch of years ago now. Um uh and and in the old days I was familiar with the Eternals, but as you said, even as a major Marvel fan, I you know, they were sort of side characters that popped up in things. Um but I read that reboot from what, like 2006 or something? The Neil Gaiman one? Yeah. I think. Let me look it up. Probably. Uh, the one that had the, uh, all the painted covers? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I asked because uh, the tone of it is really different than any other Marvel property that, that I can think of. It's almost more like DC-oriented. And so the, the Chloe Zhao thing really stands out to me. And there was an article that was – or a quote that was floating around this week with uh, Kevin Feige – saw some of the footage from that and couldn't believe that it wasn't CGI. Yeah. They're like sunsets 
which is a really interesting thing to <laughs> yeah. unpack on, on its own. This yes. man has not been outside in 10 years. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe that's COVID related, <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, you I, guys know how much easier it is to not give a shit where the sun is when you're sure, shooting a sure. scene and, uh, and then, shoot, shoot night scenes in the day. Nothing matters. Yeah. For movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like that book, that one that you're referencing, the Neil Gaiman one is so grounded and, and kind of lacking in super heroics for much of it that I'm, I'm so, I, I think it will be the inspiration for the movie and, and putting Chloe Zhao in, in, in the lead, you know, role uh, running that thing. I, I think it's a really interesting, and I, I, the footage today was also equally kind of subdued, and I, I'm very curious to see what this movie is. Yeah, yeah. This is the Neil Gaiman one went from June 2006 to February 2007. Uh, I, I think that's the one I read. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, good. It, yeah, real good. I mean, Neil Gaiman's amazing. Um, but you know, you don't read that and go, "This will be a movie." No, not at all. <laughs> it's super weird. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we are looking forward to all the stuff that Marvel's going to be putting out, and we are going to be covering it here, of course, on the Slash Filmcast. But ni- nice work, Marvel, on creating a piece of marketing content that, A, is going to get people really amped up about the future. Like, it's just, they, they're just, they, they're dominating, you know, popular culture right now. They know it. This is the product of people that flex. know. They, yeah. yeah, they're they're just like, hey, we're just, we know we've got the goods, and <laughs> uh, we're going to show them to you uh, piece by piece. And uh, and also, as I think we might may have touched upon, like encouraging people to go back to movie theaters, right? Which yeah. is what I think needs to happen for the movie theater industry to survive. Obviously, something we support strongly here mm-hmm. on the Slash Homecast. It's so. really it's really about the timing is the thing. Like I, I will talk about this in my experience going back, but uh, I, I don't know if people are going to have a hard time running back there because it seems like people are desperate to get get the hell back into movie theaters and do normal things again. So, I've already told myself that Black Widow is the movie that ooh, I'm going back mm, for, mm-hmm. barring, you know, well, God knows what. So I better not even say anything. <laughs> don't tempt fate. I, uh, I, I don't want to discount the cynical take because I think the cynical mm-hmm. take is very much legitimate in this case. You know, everything you point out about Disney's <laughs> monopoly on, on pop culture is true. Uh, and there is a cynical take to be had, but I think there's also a non-cynical take uh, on that trailer, which is like courage and hope and, and, characters that embody that and stories that portray it i'm thirsty for it again still and i kind of need that feeling that that trailer or whatever you want to call it conveyed it's a it's a beautiful thing and it made me cry i'm like this is is this the first trailer you've seen in in a while jeff you know like a constructed thing. This, like is, this, this is Devinder yeah. trying to prove that you should watch trailers. No, no, no. Well, but I'm just I saying, say like, I, this is, I, this I, is I the lie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I did stop it before it showed the images of the new movies. But <laughs> I, I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the first half of re- revisiting those incredible moments. I, just, I, I love when they got to the Marvel theme song and it's like a, the instrumentation is a little bit mm-hmm. different. There's like more percussion. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, yeah. this is so cool. It's anyway, like cool. if you're in an award show and going on too long with your speech and they just have to keep like re, uh, redoing the, uh, <laughs> the melody. So it's like, it's keep, keep it going. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah. And that moment with cap catching Thor's hammer and then saying Avengers assemble, like it just, it's as to quote Devendra, <laughs> it's pure cinema. You know, it's just <laughs> fucking great. I think, I think there this really is, is something to the kind of like optimism of, of big blockbuster cinema that has been missing during, uh, you know, all these events, you know, I, I, yeah, I, th- yeah. I don't think it's, uh, a rare opinion to say that like indie cinema and 
awards bait don't tend to be like uplifting uh, material. And yeah, I'm I'm hungry for it. Like like you said, Jeff, and uh, I think one of these films is going to hit right as people are really comfortable to go back and be one of the biggest smash sensations of all time. I think. Jeff, when you say this this is pure cinema, you know what it reminds me of? Another thing that happened this week is in an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly, Vin Diesel yes. said, yes. quote, <laughs> one of the biggest blessings of the Fast and Furious franchise is my relationship with Michelle. I've been told that the Dom Letty love story <laughs> is potentially the biggest love story that we've seen in cinema. I love you, Vin after Diesel. Two, after two decades, you understand that point, end quote. And it's like, he's it's been told... Very- it's very told, Trumpian, very cinema. Trumpian phrasing, told, who, isn't it? Who told him? Who told He's him? He's been told. The people are saying. <laughs> the people, people, people are, are saying. I, people, people are, are talking. <laughs> On a similar note, did you watch the Fast and Furious version of this Marvel trailer? Oh, I did not. <laughs> no. Is there one? There is what? one, yeah, where Vin Diesel is like talking about the power of cinema and he's like mm. speaking directly to the camera and like, we'll make you believe again. And it's showing oh. images from the new. I, I believe in Vin. Oh, it's oh like, my God. Just, I gotta go so watch you'll this. believe a car can fly. It's like that, <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. Dan, we could literally have the Marvel version of this for me, the Fast and the Furious version for Davindra. And uh-huh. the Mission Impossible version for Dave. Oh, I, was, yes. I thought you were going to say the new Face Off movie. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I I could totally see Tom Cruise doing this oh, yeah. with the, all the Mission oh, movies sure. and being like, we're making two Mission movies right now, motherfuckers. It's, it's just him going to be screaming at you at the audience. <laughs> like, I, I'm Tom Cruise telling you, go back to the theater. You yeah. got to listen to me. Yeah. All three of them involve space somehow. all right let's get to what we've been watching this week uh one quick what we've been watching i'll throw out there before uh move on to the rest of the the set of here uh i finished couples therapy season two on showtime it's also a show i strongly recommended to jeff canada yes and jeff it seems as though based on your show notes here you have watched some of it is that right i have i have i um really want to watch more of it uh, I I literally stopped halfway through the second episode of season one and went, I need to watch this with my wife. I can't right. watch this without her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It is immediately fascinating. Um, and there are things as a married person that I go, oh, these people said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yep, yep. How did they find these incredibly... Uh, what's the word I need? What's the word I yeah, need, Dave? It's courageous, brave, bold, it, it, yeah, uh, brazen. Uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> you know, uh, um, unselfconscious. I don't know. What What is the word? Uh, I really had that same feeling while, while I was watching season two. Is uh, this is this is a thought that came into my head while I was watching season two? These people are doing a public service. Like <laughs> these, <laughs> these people, these people who are in the show, right? They are exposing their inner thoughts and challenges and struggles to a wide audience and allowing you to learn from them. And it's a, it's a blessing really, to be honest with you. Like I feel it's, it's kind of extraordinary. Does season two follow new couples? Yes. It's a whole new set of couples. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of blown away that they managed to find (laughs) not just one. one, (laughs) Yeah. Not just one set of, of couples or even just one couple like the the fact that they have multiple couples that are this open to to have everyone hear their dirty laundry you know it is it is the most intimate 
and raw discussions of a marriage that I think I've ever heard on film. And it's, it's, I mean, these are relatable issues. I mean, some of them obviously are um, more uh, exaggerated or, or or not exaggerated, meaning they're false, just like their particular experience of it is more intense than mine or other people's I'm aware of. Um, But in all of them, there are kernels of, recognizable truth that you go, yeah, but this is, this is absolutely an issue we've dealt with, you know? Yeah. The yeah. Jewish Orthodox couple, uh, I, I could watch endless seasons of those two <laughs> yelling at each other. I, yeah. I, it, is, it is, it is nightmare Dude, fuel. I, like I said, I haven't watched uh, a lot of this yet, but the, my favorite moment so far <laughs> is, uh, I think from episode two of season one, um, this beautiful edit where we've watched these, these two couples sit uh, scowling and fighting. And one the woman is crying and the man like talk, talking like it, the, in this intense tete-a-tete with one another over these very deeply held feelings. And then it cuts to, it says three months earlier and you should see them walk into their first appointment mm. and they're like, Hey, pleasure to be here. Oh yeah, no, the pleasure's all mine. They're yeah. like, they're, and you immediately recognize that thing that we all do, where we're like, well, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk to these people about our issues, but we are not going to be real with them. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna present this facade of normalcy. I mean, not normalcy, but like having it all together right. and like. It's just a real pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to meet you. And th- and then it's like three months into it, there's like all those walls have been broken down. <laughs> They're completely yeah. in the trenches with one another. Yeah, and I just yeah. thought it was such a beautiful juxtaposition and in- immediately recognizable. Indeed, indeed. Uh, show is also really well made. Just like aesthetically, it looks really well done. Uh, all the cameras are hidden, so you don't even see them in the room. They're built into the walls. Yeah, uh, it almost like makes it seem like the the. It almost makes it seem fake because yeah. you're like, well, I should be able to see the camera at this angle. Did they reshoot these interactions to right. get no. new t- angles on it? They did it yeah. all live, and Orna, the uh, uh, therapist, is just so so talented. So, yeah, strongly recommend couples therapy. I finished season two on Showtime, uh, and Jeff is just getting into it. So uh, I'm glad you have uh, seen a couple episodes, and you're going to watch it more. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the rest of the season. You uh, you took a recommendation that I said this week, didn't you, Dave? I did. I did take a recommendation that you said, Jeff. Um, so, turnabout is fair play. Let's let's see how that worked out. I watched the Kid Detective, which is available for rental uh, hmm. on uh, iTunes for like a dollar, and it was on sale for ten dollars. Usually, I just go for the blind buy, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rent it for a dollar, and if I love it, going to buy it for ten dollars. Uh, as Jeff Kanata talked about a few weeks ago, Kid Detective is, is basically about this uh, guy played by Adam Brody who was a successful kid detective, but he grows up and he finds that, hey, um, maybe uh, maybe he peaked when he was in middle school. Unclear. Unclear. Uh, so he gets a mystery that uh, kind of dominates the, the whole uh, movie. And I don't want to really say that much about this movie uh, because I, I don't want to spoil any of it. I'm just going to say that this movie was as dark as fuck, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I, I, really, I think I mentioned that. I think I, I mentioned that. I thought it was going to be one thing, and it's like super duper dark. Yeah. And 
Also, by the way, wasn't a huge fan of how they treated the Asian character in the movie. Um, but uh, it was good? Question mark? You know, like, it, despite how dark it was, it was it was uh, pretty good. It was like an interest. like, I like the themes that the movie's trying to explore, right? Which is, yeah. um, did I peak in middle school? Like, you know, what is, what is the difference between how I perceive myself and how others perceive me? Right and uh, things of that nature, and there, you know, there is a mystery uh, throughout throughout it all. So I overall came away with a positive impression of this film, but man, is it dark! Man, is super it dark. dark. Yeah. But it doesn't. It, it's it's funny too. It's like it's a weird tone because I laughed a lot, but it also gets really dark. Yeah. Yep. And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So that's the Kid Detective. It's available streaming right now. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. I'm sure you've heard me talk about HelloFresh before. It's because I love it. I genuinely love it. Uh, I've been using HelloFresh for years. My family and I love their fresh, pre-measured ingredients that come right to my door. They, they got wonderful seasonal recipes, all that stuff delivered right to my door. I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store, getting a bunch of extra ingredients that are just going to go bad in the fridge because I bought too much for a specific recipe. I don't even have to worry about finding what our menu is going to be. We have these incredible recipes, over 25 recipes a week to choose from, including vegetarian meals, craft burgers, even extra special gourmet options. There's something for everybody to enjoy stuff that you can actually make. I have fallen in love with cooking. I provide for my family in this way. I can actually cook the meal step-by-step, easy-to-follow instructions, fresh ingredients sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week, contact-free, of course. It's just the best of all possible worlds. I love hopping onto the app uh, in advance and sorting through all those 25 re- recipes, figuring out which ones are going to show up at my door. The, the amount of variety that my family and I get in our meals now, it's so easy. You can get these meals uh, onto the table in like half an hour, uh, 30 minutes or less. It, it, it's it, And they're cooked by you. You know what's going into them. The fresh ingredients, you know exactly how much salt is going in. If you don't want too much salt, you can lighten the load on that. It's It's great to cook, have a freshly cooked meal, and you know everything that's going into it. Plus, it's cheaper. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. My wife and I always turn to each other and go, "Ah, if we had this at a restaurant, we would love it. We would think that it was was underpriced. (laughs) And here we are making it ourselves at home. It's wonderful. So go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast12 and use code FilmCast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash, and then the word FilmCast12, FilmCast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, 1-2, FilmCast12 gets you 12 free meals, including free shipping. Uh, I also had a chance, speaking of dark movies, I also had a chance to see... uh, Quo Vadis Aida. Have any of you heard of this movie? No. This movie was mm-hmm. nominated for uh, Academy Award for Best uh, International Film, I think. Um, and I think it's... Uh, let me just say this. I, I fully support 
uh, movies being seen with subtitles and watching foreign films and expanding your mind. I, I do think it's a bit of a bummer that they didn't change the title of the movie, you know, because I just think it's, it makes it harder to market. Probably would help. It makes, yeah. makes it harder yeah. to remember it if I tell you what it is. You know what I mean? Like, but the, the title is Q-U-O-V-A-D-I-S-A-I-D-A. Um, and it's on Hulu. And it's about uh, the Bosnian uh, Srebrenica massacre. Um, and it's a fictionalized version of it. You follow this uh, translator uh, as she tries to save her family from being slaughtered in this movie. Uh, and it's an extremely gut-wrenching movie, but it's very, very well done. And really, the movie is about bureaucracy. It's about what happens when evil collides with bureaucracy. Now, I feel like in the United States, we have had a bit of a front row seat to that uh, in some ways. And in this movie, you see a much more visceral, uh, much more kind of immediate uh, threat to human life that comes as a result of both incompetence and evil kind of mixing together. And it is extremely painful to watch, but I think uh, it's exceptionally well made. It deserves to be seen it's just really, really a great film. And I'm actually a little bit bummed that this movie did not win Best International Film. Uh, Another Round, delightful movie, really enjoyable. But this yeah. movie is one that is like, I was just talking about how couples therapy is a public service. I mean, this one is a public service in a very different way, which is like, it is a lens to which through which to view this extremely tragic event that I think is very valuable. So I'd mm-hmm. recommend it. It's Quo Vadis Aida. And it's streaming right now on Hulu. Speaking of international films that were nominated for the Oscars, I also want to mention another movie I saw called The Mole Agent. You guys heard of this movie, The Mole yeah, Agent? Yeah, it's been recommended to me a number of times. Yeah. And speaking of recommendations, by the way, I want to call out that one great way to recommend movies to us is using the hashtag slash tag on your social medias, specifically on Twitter. Hashtag slash tag is how we check out people's recommendations. And that's how you can check out people's recommendations as well. Uh, one of the, I, I think I actually might have gotten this from a hashtag slash tag, Jeff, uh, was the mole agent on Hulu. I've seen a number of, of hashtag slash tags for this, for this uh, documentary. Yes. And so I'm idea, halfway through it because of you, David. The idea is that somebody hires an older gentleman between the ages of 80 and 90 to infiltrate a nursing home in uh, Chile. And to see if like uh, uh, one of the residents there is being abused and or robbed. And that's the setup for the movie. So this guy's like infiltrating this nursing home facility and the opening of the movie is very much shot like a noir. And I'm not going to give away what ends up happening, but I'll just say that that framing device does a grave disservice to the film. I think it's a terrible framing device and arguably makes the film way worse. But the movie is still a very interesting meditation on what it's like to get older what it's like to what the social lives of older people are like and how challenging they are and uh i think that to that extent it's a really interesting film so i would still recommend it despite the uh, framing device that's the mole agent streaming right now on hulu uh so that's what i've been watching this week dank vosden hit us up with a few things you're watching yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw in some things that I haven't really heard talked about much uh, that I've been loving. Um, so the first one is one actually I think I recommended to you, David, which is The Show About the Show. It's a uh, YouTube show 
created by this um, group called Brick TV, which is this Brooklyn uh, like production house broadcast network. And um, this this show about the show um, is uh, from the creator Cave uh, Zahedi. Um, you know, he's this documentarian. Um, listeners might know his work, uh, The Sheik and I, um, and I Am a Sex Worker. Um, but this show is about, and this is going to get real meta. So it's about him pitching a show to Brick TV. And the show that they end up getting from him is a show where each episode he makes a show about the making of the previous episode. Uh, so the <laughs> yeah. first, the first show is him pitching it to brick TV. Right. And then the second show is about the making of the first show and on and on and on and on. Um, and it's like ad- the adaptation of TV shows. Yeah. I thought this would be dumb and I watched it and I was like, this is really fascinating. Uh, because so, Dan recommended this to me earlier. Uh, and yeah, it, it lives up to that premise. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is that this guy, Kava is a heady. Um, everybody in the show is a real person and you're watching his real recordings with them edited together. And it's, it's one of those things that becomes mind breaking the deeper you go into it because you're like, I don't even know what this is about anymore. And what it ends up kind of becoming about is like radical honesty because he's committed to this art, this idea of making this show about the show and he's not going to hide or lie about anything. And very quickly you see it begins to destroy his marriage and his professional relationships and basically his entire life. And like making the show, you're saying. Yeah, making the show. And you're <laughs> you're on a front seat watching this. And there's a certain point where you're like, the more I watch this, I'm supporting him continuing this endeavor and destroying himself and everybody around him. And I would never know anything about making a mid-tier film-related show that destroys my entire life. Um, <laughs> so this is completely unfamiliar to me. Yeah, uh, um, but it's fascinating because, like, you'll have a scene—you'll have a scene where he is uh, directing his wife having an affair with him with the guy she's actually having an affair with him with, and it's—it's uh, it's so crazy. And so there's two seasons of this spread over a couple of years. Um, he also has a, a show called The Show About Sundance, where it's like his experiences at Sundance that's also very funny and takes on the same kind of um, style. But uh, it's one of those things, once you start it, you can't stop watching it. But you just so desperately want to because you just know this is never going to get better. Um, <laughs> well, that's the show about the show. It's available on Brick TV on YouTube. All the episodes are available for free, right? Yeah, and on yeah. BrickArtMedia.org, uh, which is their website. But just yeah. get, watch it on YouTube. Yeah, the show about the show. Uh, very uh, interesting. I'd highly recommend it as well. Uh, what else have you been watching, Dan Kvostman? Yeah, I also watched, and you know, th- this is like a twofer for me here. Uh, uh, I watched this film called There Is No I in Threesome on HBO Max. And let me tell you, great date movie for you and your wife. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a, that's a gamble. That is a, that is a gamble right there. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a documentary. Did it pay of, off as it were, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will not divulge. Uh, 
but no. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, this is a documentary about this uh, couple who, uh, you know, are about to be married in a year. And they decide that, like, uh, because uh, I'm forgetting the the uh, the main character's name or the director, uh, you know, he had like a what he describes as a not very adventurous sex life prior to meeting uh, his, you know, uh, fiance. And so they are going to engage in a, uh, you know, I guess like equitable uh, or um, yeah, a polyamorous relationship where they're all, they're both okay with it. And, and they're, you know, engaging on uh, very specific terms that they've lined out for each other. And he's going to- Hey, Dave, Dan, before you go any further, I, I just need to know, as I'm listening to you describe it, Maybe you've said it already. Is this a, a fictional show or a documentary? This is a documentary. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. So, no. You may have said it. I may have. I was like, I need to know how I'm framing this in my head as you're describing it. Jeff, Jeff <laughs> didn't hear anything you said after the word threesome, so that's yeah. why he's. Yeah. yeah. That's typical for me. Actually, yeah. but after the word I, I'm like, oh me, yeah. No, let's talk about me. <laughs> Maybe even there, Jeff, you're like mm, pre- pre- prepositions. A huge fan. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Dan. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he begins documenting this whole process which is something they also agree to. And uh, you get this very, um, you know, uh, nuanced, realistic look at, you know, what polyam- polyamory is like for them. I, I don't want to say that this movie is uh, uh, encapsulates everyone's experiences because I've actually seen some kind of upset from the polyamory community. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's what they're called. Because this isn't but- technically polyamory that you're describing. I have a couple you know, polyamorous friends. It's it's a very different thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the threesome title is actually yeah. misleading because yeah. um, they both are engaging in relationships kind of apart from each other. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it is more classically, if, if you want to say, use the word classically. Um, but uh, you, you, for me, at least I was like, well, you know, this is a world that I have no- nothing in common with. So like this would be an interesting endeavor to watch this and um you know it is you know not something you'd watch with your parents in any regard because it goes there um and is you know graphic in moments um but it's very honest but and I I can't say anymore there is an enormous twist in the last 10 minutes that is one of the most <laughs> mind-blowing things I've ever seen. You're really building this up. It, it was a like- twosome all along. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I can't even because it, it, yeah. it, it it's one of those twists where it completely restructures how you look at the movie and the way yeah. that a great twist does. And there actually um, was an eye in three seasons. Yeah, right. yeah. we've <laughs> missed silent eye. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, if this sounds vaguely interesting to you. Um, check it out. It's one of my favorite movies of, of the past year. And um uh, yeah, the twist really makes a lot of the movie, and I, so I can't really go much deeper. But it's on HBO Max, and I, I can't recommend it enough. All right, if there you is, can handle that content, there is no I in threesome is the name of the documentary. It's on HBO Max, and anything else we're watching, Dag Boston? Yeah, you know another HBO Max documentary series. Um, you know because you can't get enough of this in your in your regular life. Um, is Q into the storm? Um, which is a documentary ostensibly about the Q Anon movement, if you will, or conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I don't know. Have any of you guys watched the, any of this? I know. I really enjoyed the uh, the commentary online, though, of people just saying, like, oh, I cannot believe I wasted my time watching this show. But go on. Um, well, I, I didn't consider a waste. I think it's a little bloated, but um, it's one of those things where it starts off, uh, you know, and it sums up the Q movement, but it very quickly almost becomes not about that. It becomes more about 8chan and like what the heck that is and the, the movers and shakers that basically gave Q its platform and who these people are. And you could not invent a more strange group of people to follow uh, through this, which I'm sure should come as no surprise to anybody that is remotely uh, uh, knowledgeable about Q, but uh, and that and that whole thing. But it's one of those things where you watch these people that are like in this little corner of the world, doing whatever it is they're doing that we never had to worry about. And by the final episode, they are like wielding incredible power over global politics, <laughs> and it's the same people. And you're like, how could this be possible? These same idiots like that. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those. It really puts a human face on it. Um, and also like potentially reveals who is running the Q account. So if if you if you didn't hear that news and you want to kind of watch this thing and find out more about it, um, I actually had a great time with it. It like morphs into like a chase movie at one point and there's like the stakes are, are always changing and the players are always changing. So I, I enjoyed Q into the storm. Uh, it's streaming right now on HBO max. Uh, a lot of coverage saying like, wow, Q into the storm reveals who Q is. And it's like <laughs> that information has been out there for a really long time. It, it made yeah, me, yeah. it made me kind of surprised that so many people credulously said like, yes, the documentary reveals who Q and it's like reply all covered that like literally six months ago, you know? And it's like, I, I, I just feel like the, you know, it's very it's probably it obvious. Missed, anyway, it, missed, like, it missed the boat. Well, it's more like the journalism about this topic is just overall very weak. And I think that <laughs> you the fact, think? <laughs> yeah. And I think that the fact that like the, you know, people were like, oh, this is, this is the one that revealed the cue. It's like, no, it's not. And it's, I, I don't know why, yeah. you know, the Washington Post is saying it is. It's just, it's a really weird <laughs> dynamic. If there's so, one thing that I think is synonymous with the QAnon movement, it's sharp journalism. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't think it's too much. You to mean the journalism that, about it. I'm talking, I'm talking about the journalism <laughs> yeah. about it, Jeff. Not, I'm not from about, yeah. I'm not talking about from it. So yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. Kind of yeah, a bummer, I mean, I, the, the the quote unquote reveal is not what I would sell the show on. Like, uh, I'm more interested in who these people are and these interesting characters that you know have found themselves in positions of power and are really in no way deserving of that, uh, which is an ongoing theme in our lives. Uh, but uh, you know, at, le at least for me, it was interesting to put like a human face on it. Devendra Hardwar, what have you been watching this week? So last week, guys, marked my two weeks after my second vaccine. Woo! Congratulations. So, Woo! Thank you. Jeff, what I did, decided you, to go Did you crazy, get your dose, by yeah. the way? Did you get your second dose? Yeah. Yet? I got my second dose, and I suffered exactly zero side effects same. from it. Oh, great. Same. Great. I love okay. it. I love cool. it. I, Precisely honestly, zero. The, the, like the, the talk the way we talk about it we probably should be saying that more loudly too because i think yeah. what we see is a lot of people aren't getting it because they don't they're trying to avoid the side effects which is just we are so dumb we're just we so, so dumb. dumb well as a civilization. Yeah, I heard five million people got the yeah. first dose but didn't get the second dose at least they're like, protected somewhat but yeah ugh. 
Yeah. I I completely agree with you that everyone should get two doses and you know so on. Um, but I do think that like uh, it for some people, not everyone is as lucky as you guys. You know, it does lay people out. I, and I some went people, into oh, it knowing that I could potentially get side effects. No, I like, yeah, a, a it's day, better than dying. All right, it's a day oh, yeah. of guys, your life yeah. that is uncomfortable. Yeah. I you know? exactly hundred percent agree with you guys, but I I just am a little bit more sympathetic to people who are afraid that their body's going to get all fucked up because they even for a couple days because they got a, a dose of this thing. So. I'm not saying you shouldn't get it. Everyone should get it. I'm just saying, like, I under I don't think they're dumb just because they're afraid of getting the second dose. Anyway, I don't. Th- I wouldn't yeah, say we, dumb. Devinder used would, the word dumb. I so said that's dumb, what I was but I, th- I think so, it is genuinely kind of I dumb agree, to make that decision. But okay, I agree, fine, it is not. Fine. It is a suboptimal decision. Because I'm sympathetic. It's, it's I can much be, worse. I can be sympathetic right, about it's it. It's much listen, worse to get COVID. I agree completely. Guys, if it was somebody in my family saying this, I'd be like, "Don't be, don't be an idiot. What are you doing?" <laughs> We've got these miracle yeah. vaccines. We've waited so long for them. They're here. You can go get it. And yeah. you don't want to feel the sniffles or some aches and pains for a couple of days. It's, it's, yeah, it's infuriating. Anyway, everybody listening, please get your, get your vaccines. I mean, I, 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 support I, I have family members that aren't getting it. And Me we've too. Guys, my neighbor, so, yeah. my neighbor's talking about, he's taking vitamin D. He's taking <laughs> vitamin D guys. He's all good. His parents, his elderly parents who live upstairs, they got the COVID already. <laughs> and they survive. Thankfully, they're not going to get the shots because I'm surrounded by idiots. So, you know, Dave, we don't all live in Seattle. Well, <laughs> surrounded by crazy people. I Completely will also, fair. Completely I fair. will yeah. add a, a little more gravitas to this conversation and say, I now live in a universe where my daughter is extremely yeah. high risk for this yep. kind of shit. Mm. So the idea that we can't vaccinate children and they have to walk around with idiots who will potentially pass it to her is goes from just their idiots to fuck you selfish asshole for endangering my child. Yeah, I'm saying the nice thing actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Devinder was being too nice. Actually. I could I could be a lot meaner because <laughs> to, mm. to be fair guys, I, I I agree with all that, you know. I don't dis- I, I I support everything you said about okay. uh, I appreciate people, your people should get this, this, but Dave, I also just want to like you know, I I've talked I've talked to a bunch of people like very reasonable smart people who are going to get the the second dose. But they are just like apprehensive because maybe they're not as resilient, you know. Sure, but um, they're getting so. the second dose, so I'm not talking about those people. I, yeah, I was no. worried <laughs> about the side effects too. I was yeah. worried about the side effects, but it's like it's like getting to the finish line, guys. Like we we survived <laughs> war. We you're almost there. You're almost there, and uh, you don't you don't want to cross the finish line because you, you're worried about uh, anyway anyway right. yeah. so what so i did the, the, in, the in conclusion that, the potentials that we're worried about here are are <laughs> like Devin just said are like achy and and feeling kind of crappy for a day i got to lie down it's uh, yeah it's it's a little in bit in conclusion ridiculous. uh the slash film cast uh we are not medical professionals and uh, this podcast for entertainment purposes only but Devindra, you used your newfound vaccine freedom I was, to do I what power. Guys, I had power. I finally had privilege. And by the way, I also realized oh, most people in the world do not have the privilege to get access to did these vaccines. Did you level up? I did level up. I went to see the Scott Pilgrim re-release at Dolby Cinema at AMC's using my A-list subscription. And he licked every doorknob on the <laughs> everything, way. Everything. And uh, let me tell you guys, it was glorious. It was my first time back in theaters since seeing The Invisible Man in New York in like February. February last wow. year. Yeah. So it just felt it felt weird. 
And I also felt like I was the only weird one because everyone around me was like, yeah, I've been watching theater. I've been watching movies this whole year. I don't know why this guy is like approaching everything like he's walking into an alien, you know, environment. But I was <laughs> because I was I was like touching the velvet rope. I was just like really appreciating the line experience of getting back in. Um, I was really like, just drinking sir, it all. In. Sir, would you like butter on that? You know what? I would. I would like yeah. butter on no, that. I, 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 didn't <laughs> eat, I did not eat anything because sir, I'm not I taking need you my to mask stop off. Stop crying. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to fill your no popcorn salt. order. I, I don't need salt. My tears would add the salt. Yeah. Uh, but no, I didn't eat anything because that would be insane. I went in there double masked, uh, you know, very, just very apprehensive about everyone. But I was also really drinking in the experience. And I saw it at a theater. Um, unfortunately, the closest AMC, AMC to me now is 20 minutes away. So it is. It is 20 minutes of driving versus like 30 to 40 minutes uh, on the subway. And let me tell you guys, I'd rather have the subway. Give me the subway any day because I, I could sit there. I could just not do anything. could read, could play games. Um, so anyway, it's, it's more of a trek to get there now. But I made it um, and I there was nobody. I went to an early screening too. So there was barely anybody in the audience. And just looking at the audience like behind me, I sat in the very first row, which I, I tend to do. Um, it was, it just felt so great. People were dressed up as Scott Pilgrim, Ramona Flowers. Like people were into it. I was back in a room with my kind and my people watching one of my favorite movies. Um, the Dolby Vision re-release of this, um, also looks really good too. I've rewatched Scott Pilgrim so many times. I think the, uh, the color mixing is a bit sharper. It looks a bit bolder now, which really helps that movie because it's such a, it's a visual feast. I think that movie is a masterpiece and so much of it, like you can really just appreciate everything Edgar Wright and his crew put into that. Um, you know, Bill Pope's cinematography, like that movie just looks incredible. And uh, they also redid the sound in Dolby Atmos. So it's like really all consuming now. Uh, maybe not like if you were listening to it on surround sound before you, you probably won't hear a huge difference, but it was just nice to see one of my favorite movies in a screen like that. Um, yeah. It was nice, guys. And it's good, it's a good thing. If you can check it out, I think it's only in theaters for like a week or two. If you've had your shot, you know, for at least two weeks and you're fully vaccinated and you can go safely. Um, I still don't feel comfortable about going to like a big primetime movie premiere yeah. or something like I'm not going to go into full theater. But this theater, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. There were only other two other like no three or four other seats sold. So it was pretty empty. So I was able to just like stroll in, not be near anybody, double masked, and that felt good. Um, I'm now starting to look around at theaters near me too to see, uh, you know, see what my other options are. And I think I'm going to have to cancel my A list because I've got <laughs> theaters around me that charge like seven or eight bucks for adult tickets. And wow. the matinee tickets are going to be even cheaper. And they're like within, some are within walking distance, some are within really short driving distance. So I, I, I it's fine. It's nice to be able to like start thinking about this again because i kind of purposefully just didn't even research too many of my nearby theaters because i knew i couldn't even touch them over the last year so i'm excited it's uh it's nice uh, the hard part is balancing you know is, is it gonna be crowded um things like that and you know i may want to go see a movie with my younger brother at some point you know and how do we how do we even arrange that he's getting his, he's almost fully immune too so doing that also think about safety and also certainly thinking about like making sure I, I do not catch this thing to bring back to my child. Um, those are all considerations, but it's really nice to be able to step into theater again. You know, that's awesome. Devendra. Uh, it's really nice to hear that story. Uh, and I'm, I, it, it has occurred to me that like, it's possible that the three of us might become 
comfortable going back into theaters at different times. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. might uh, create some challenges when there's like big movies coming out this yeah. summer. So I, uh, we'll have I to don't have know a... how we're going to review Spiral, the Saw reboot. Um, yeah. It's going to be hard for you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I really want to see, you know, I'm a huge Saw movie fan, no yeah. joke. And uh, I really yeah, want to see it's... what Chris Rock's vision of Saw is. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know a franchise is yep. good when you have to say no joke after admitting you like 100%, it. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's Spiral that's coming out soon. And Devendra recently saw Scott Pilgrim at the theater. It'll be have there a for chance, like a week, I think. Yeah, yeah. check it out. All right, Devendra, anything else you've been watching? I also finished the second season of The Boys on Amazon. I have to say, it is very good. It Honestly, it's great. It's a fantastic season of television, a great deconstruction of the superhero genre. Um, I, I think the satire just like really sharpened by season two because you've got a lot of you've got new characters. You've got like, um, you know, one character who is like directly commenting on. Um, I don't know how you'd say it, like basically social media that is creating white supremacists today like it is a direct commentary on like how people are getting red pilled on reddit and elsewhere too like it is it's a really sharp season because i I think maybe they just know what they're doing better or maybe they got some newer writers on or something like it just seems like the overall the direction of the first season kind of took some took a few episodes to really get going i think because uh it was really edgelordy you know, is really doing wild things to be, oh, look at me. Look at how crazy I can be. We're the show that's doing this. Uh, whereas in season two, you can have a guy who has his superpower is he has a very long prehensile penis. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it it works for laughs, but also it, wor- it works in other levels too. Like it's just, uh, it's hilarious. Like it's a show that can balance being silly like that, but also really uh discussing the state of america today and the way uh white nationalism is just running rampant and being spread online certain certainly different ways it's really smart it's a lot smarter than the first season and i really dug it um yeah so appreciate that and yeah we'll talk a bit more about invincible as well because it also felt really weird to be going from the boys to invincible and then occasionally you know flipping over to captain america uh you know falcon, falcon Winter and the Soldier, yeah. Soldier. like it's uh it it feels a little all-consuming, the superhero genre at this point. Um, so I need a little break, I think, at some point. That's The Boy Season 2. It's streaming right now on Prime Video. That's what Devinger's been watching. Jeff, hit us up with a couple things you've been watching. Well, I have a break to offer you, Devendra. Oh, um, I, I have started on this break, too. But go oh, on. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a major shout-out to one particular listener. Because, <laughs> you know, for for one, we we have we have thousands and thousands of listeners to this show but for the next couple of minutes i'm going to be talking to one listener in particular in who's particular. been telling us about one show over yes. and over again yes sean the cabbie mm-hmm. hello sean mm-hmm. hello sean this next section of the show is just for you because sean has been carrying out a a mission nay a crusade <laughs> to have any of us watch Line of Duty, which is a uh, evidently huge smash hit British show. Uh, and Sean the Cabbie has used the hashtag slash tag. He's used personal tweets. He's used emails. He's begged. He's pleaded. He's enticed. He's used every tool in his tool belt to try to get us to watch Line of Duty. And Sean, I'm here to tell you it finally worked. <laughs> 
<laughs> my wife and I decided to, to start our journey on Line of Duty, which is has just evidently completed its sixth and final season in the UK. Uh, I believe the finale got 15 million viewers uh, when it premiered, which is like a massive number for that territory. Um, and well, I can... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to step on everything. Am, am I wrong? Am I wrong about well, that? Well, no, it, you're, you're not wrong, but all, I also feel the need to mention that it was widely regarded as one of the worst series finales of all time. And <laughs> and in fact, Game of Thrones started trending like when Line of Duty oh, series finale, which is like, that's how bad the Game of Thrones finale was, is when another show Oof. has a terrible finale, then Game of Thrones starts trending. Which well, is I did just not like, know that, Dave, and now I am very much looking forward to finishing <laughs> yeah, he, this show. You didn't really for, need to drop that, uh, that saying, enthusiasm bomb. trending on Twitter with like tens of thousands of tweets. It's not yeah. like I'm the only person... That is, I'm not like you're, you're the only person, person who brought only, it up in, in this in episode. This conversation. <laughs> okay. I apologize. Wow. I apologize. Only person talking to me who is enthusiastically talking about the show. <laughs> you know what, Sean okay. the Cabbie? I guess I can't watch the show anymore because yeah. David Chen has yeah. apparently ruined yeah. the finale. Not worth it. Should just give up now. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. What's the point anymore, everybody? It's it's true. It's true. <laughs> you really felt the need to just drop that, didn't you? It, it was trending on. Like, I can't just let yeah, you. I'm let that go I, just, all I can't I just can't let you enjoy things. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeff. What were you going to say before I said that? Ah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm liking <laughs> I'm this. Really evidently. looking forward to knowing how the show ends. Right. <laughs> I've been really enjoying this evidently terrible show. Um, <laughs> I've been blithely going down the road of bliss, uh, uh, not knowing that it ends in a in a turd heap. Um, line of duty. So, Sean the cabbie, thank you for your tireless efforts in trying to get uh, me, in particular, to watch this. Uh, I know one of the reasons I know that Sean wanted me, in particular, to watch it is because the Shield, yeah, is my favorite show of all time. It's very shieldy, yeah, very shieldy. I. Do not think it is in the same league as the Shield. Personally, um, it, it doesn't hold a candle to the Shield, as, as from what I've seen so far. But that's also like saying, you know, a hamburger doesn't hold a candle to Flame and Yawn. You know, it, it, like I still enjoy hamburgers, right? I'm still I still enjoy hamburgers all the time, uh, and I have been enjoying uh, season one of Line of Duty very much. It, it, you know, six episodes they cram a lot. It moves fast. Uh, we were like in the middle of season uh, of episode one, and I was like. I can't believe we're still in the first episode. So much has happened. It's crazy. I love, I love British shows for that. Like the yes. thing that would take a US show 12 to, you know, more and more episodes. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. what happens in the first episode would have taken six episodes in the US. I have no doubt about that. Um, and I do think that the casting is very uneven as far as my appreciation of, of the, the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some that are excellent and there are some that's like, what? what? This per- Why? What? Uh, it, it feels like it's a show that really wants to take itself super seriously like the shield, but also has characters that are just total goobers for it's, no, it's like just, very campy. Surprising. It's weird. It's yeah. weirdly goofy, uh, but compelling fun. It is, it is very much like the shield in the sense of like, you have, you know, shades of gray and people you you're watching a, a person try to evade another person and, how who whose side are you on? And both of them are sort of walking the shades of gray. And um, it, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a a lot of fun. It's like what what will happen next? There are 
straight up shocking moments that happen mm-hmm. of like, wow, I did not see that coming at all. And it's really fun. And oh my God, cliffhanger episode. Gotta watch the next one. I- I'm digging it. And um, sadly, I'm I'm told that the last episode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's a serious question. Serious question, Joe. I'm not even joking here. Okay. Uh, knowing what I know, right? Like what <laughs> that we all actually, know. That we all know. Knowing right what you shared with <laughs> all of us. John <laughs> did all this work to get you to watch this. Took him years. And, and years. Just, little years. Dave just sends a torpedo right at Sean's yeah. work. Would you? Would you literally have preferred? Like, okay, like. like the reaction, it's very, it's been written about by like hundreds of publications how bad it was. Would you really have preferred I just said nothing and just yes. like let you walk into I this mean, thing? I mean, yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, so what, okay. What, what, all right, that's fine. No, In no, the let, future, let me, that's Let fine. me retort. Let me retort yeah, yeah. with a question of my own. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, I'm what? asking a genuine question. It's not I am a, also, yeah. I'm also going to ask yep. a genuine question. Okay, here's, yep. here's my genuine, yep. like no stank <laughs> on it, yep. straight up honest question. Yep, okay. Uh-huh. What would you have me do with that information? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, if I know a show is going to end terribly, I just don't watch it. That's, yeah, that's so, so Dave, Dave, that thought, that thought. <laughs> You're basically telling all of us not to watch it, a thing you've already started watching. So your goal, your goal, I mean, so, okay, giving you the benefit of the doubt here, giving yep, you yep, yep, yep. the most charitable reading of, of yes, your yes. of your uh, interjection there 100%, was, yep. was, to, was to avoid disappointment on my end, right? Yes, sure. yes, was to completely. say, oh, Jeff, don't invest all this time. It's only, only going to end in disappointment. That's literally what it was, but was behind it, correct, yes. Right. Yep. So... It's the it's the same advice you would give to someone starting Game of Thrones or sure. Battlestar yes. Galactica Lost, or Lost or, or Life. Right. Yes, like, or, 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 or yeah. Life. Yeah, it ends terribly and sometimes suddenly. By the way, mm. yes. Um, yeah, yep. Believe me, I know. Um, the it's interesting. It's interesting because <laughs> I don't know. I, here's where I. I, I sympathize with you or empathize with that situation is because I've said that to people about Lost and Battlestar Galactica. Yes, and exa- I, was, I didn't. I, I'm surprised that your objection, honestly, because you. I know you've done the same thing. So yes, I'm like, but, you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. Here's those, what I those are you maybe do. maybe a little stale, right? Those are older finales <laughs> at this point. Whereas uh, this this just happened. Here's what yeah, I say you it, do, it, Jeff, is you just never watch that final episode. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. 15 million people got to that point and wanted to watch that episode. So it must have been great until then. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. like life. Never die. Just choose never, to never die. Just never, never die. Die. Just keep never enjoying repeat, I think is the, the thing. Yeah, okay, well yeah. well, Jeff, let me just say I am genuinely sorry if like like really, I, I really No, am. no. You don't need it, to apologize to me. You removed Sean the Cabby's heart yeah. and stomped on it on the ground. <laughs> He spent spent literal years trying to get to this point, and and he (laughs) finally achieved his goal of getting us to. Diffinger and I were both watching it, and now Dave is like, "Nah, you shouldn't." (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I mean, amazing. When this was in the show notes, I'm like, "Oh, well, Jeff's going to talk about how terrible the finale was received." Obviously, like I I literally Jeff would have finished six seasons of Line of Duty since we last talked to him. Like it literally became a meme online. Like I was, that's how bad it was. I was like, "Oh, well, clearly everyone on the, the podcast has seen the memes." You know, even among but, your friends, not everyone is as online as us. Like I think that's so, the main lesson here. Yes, I've main lesson. I agree. Mm. Well, okay. I, I I don't know what to do. Sean the cabbie, I <laughs> yes. need you to tweet me and yes. tell me if the if the journey is worth it. Or yes. If I should just mm. if, if I should take the Dan Gvazdan approach and just never watch. Yeah. 
yeah. the last episode. It looks like they, they get a good cast going. Like, I, I've seen uh, Tandy Newton. Tandy Wee yeah. Newton is in this yeah. eventually. Like, uh, yeah. Let me, I, let me I've seen, let me just yeah. say, I've seen uh, the first couple episodes. I am not surprised that this would end badly. I, I actually don't agree think, with that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this is a show. This is a show where, like, um, they're playing with fire a little yeah. bit. Like, I feel like this is the, on some level, the Boondock Saints to the Shield <laughs> Reservoir <Dogs. laughs> that is it because it's like a lot of the show is like oh these cops are bad look how bad they are that's a dirty dirty cop we're gonna follow him um it is entirely that um yeah. and I, i'm gonna enjoy it like i think i'm gonna have fun with it but i will say jeff for, for the love of god i think longer than sean the cabbie has been doing this i've been telling you to watch bosch and Bosch You're right. is You're right. the true Shield successor, and I think a much better show than this one, at least from what I've seen so far. But I'm gonna keep watching this just, just like when I need a little cop show or something, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's my. I candy. mean, this was this yeah. was our yeah, new main line. This was our, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was our new Bosch mainline is show. This was our new. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I yeah. like this is what we're watching. This is like yeah. our thing. We're, this we're is committing our, we're our next few months. You to this. should, you yes. should, and you yeah. know what? You know what? You should. If 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 especially if Sean the Cat says listen so, to you anymore. I'm willing to cede all my ground to, to Sean the Cavy on this one. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> Re- retroactively, uh, would yeah. would you go back and prevent yourself from watching the end of Lost? <laughs> would you would you tenant yourself? Um, oh, that's, a, that that's the question. Yeah. Like, that's would, really the would question. You, would you stop yourself and allow your imagination to fill in the gap if you could? Oh, man, I get I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to stop myself. I don't think I'd be able to, you know, I, it's fine. I, yeah. But like you said, Dan, life is disappointing. So I think uh, it's fully fine to walk into a show that, you know, may not end well. I'm really looking forward to rewatching Lost and Battlestar Galactica at some point, despite those finales. Yeah. I want life is disappointing to be the takeaway from my contribution to the show. I mean, it's the subtitle of the podcast. It's been my life philosophy basically forever. Yeah. All right. I think we got to. Speaking of Game of Thrones, it's our our house words. (laughs) Uh, All the houses have words, you know? Winter's coming. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get get what you're saying Mm -hmm. now. I get what I'm picking up. We need an animal, too. Um, Okay. That's Line of Duty. Uh, Jeff, you also have some Mortal Kombat thoughts. Why don't we save those for the After Dark? Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to. I I, I thought the movie was very, very bad. That's all I need to say. <laughs> okay, Aww. all right. Yeah. Um, and Sean the cabbie, if you're out there, let us know what you thought of the line of duty finale. Sean and whether is Jeff in his cab it. right now. <laughs> yeah, you drive in the past an accident. <laughs> Man, there's somebody in the backseat of Sean the cabbie's cab who doesn't understand why the, sh- the car is going so see, erratic. We're going to see the news tomorrow morning. London cabbie just gives up. Gives up on his cab <laughs> after a podcast episode. Leaves his cab in the middle of the street. Let's get to weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly plugs is a part of the show each week where we plug something we have helped to create or something that someone else created that we just appreciate. Dan Kvazin, let's start with you. What's your yeah. weekly plug this week? Yeah, well, um, my weekly plug is self-congratulatory. Uh, I, I am uh, plugging my own podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, which is coming up on its 300th episode in a couple of weeks. 
Nice. And congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like congratulations or just like a penance or, or some kind of prison sentence, but uh, yeah. Amazing spider talk is my show. It's all about Spider-Man. And you might be thinking to yourself, how do you talk about Spider-Man for 300 episodes? Well, <laughs> Spider-Man is, you know, he, he is everything. He's a serial, you know, as into the Spider-Verse uh, so aptly pointed out, there's a Christmas album. There's everything. Um, we are covering the full history of the character from, his creation to today. And um, our big thing is that we're not gatekeeping. We really want to invite people into comics and nerdery in a warm, welcoming embrace uh, and get you caught up on it. So if you're ever interested in learning more about Spider-Man, um, you know, in his uh, universe that are, are all around or his multiverse, I guess now um, come check us out and we'll welcome you into the fold. Um, we recently had on John Romita Jr., to talk wow. about his contributions. Really? Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And um, we had uh, Ron friends on as well to talk about uh, one of my favorite comics of all time, the kid who collects Spider-Man and break it down page by page. So if uh, that sounds remotely interesting to you, we'd love to have you over at the amazing spider talk podcast. Check it out at amazing spider talk, uh, amazing spider talk.com or wherever your podcast can be downloaded. Uh, this week, I want to plug my TikTok page. Guys, I'm on TikTok now. Well, which dance are you Ooh. doing? Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> At the same uh, time. Uh, Must I, I see. Don't, I don't know. What I'm, I have I have ideas for what I'm going to do on TikTok, and I already have my first video up there, but uh, I'm going to try a bunch of things out, and I'd love for you to join me for the journey. So check me out. I'm at Dave Chensky on TikTok. That's Dave Chen SKY, or TikTok.com slash at Dave Chensky. Uh, but I expect there'll be some fun and amusing times, uh, so give me a follow on TikTok. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. Oh, yeah. I wrote up a review of Returnal, the PS5 exclusive game over at Engadget. It's called Returnal Captures the Beauty and Frustration of Failure. This game is so hard. It's so, so yes. hard. Like, that. that is it. And I'm normally not somebody to really dive into games that just punish me. But I am really into this one. It looks cool. It's like a mixture of Alien and, uh, like, a David Lynch movie. Like, it is just, like, all of these things. And it plays so tightly. And I think uh, it just makes me, it reminds me that the games I really love are the ones where it just feels good to like move around and walk around and jump and shoot. And it gets all these things really well. It's also um, just probably the most punishing roguelite I've, I've ever played. There's no save in this game. There's only the suspend function on your console. And uh, you, you pray to God that it actually works. Um, I've just... I just continue to run until I die. Basically, that's my only solution. But I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'd recommend it to a lot of people uh, if you enjoy punishing yourself. I picked it <laughs> up uh, and and uh, mostly you know influenced by Devendra and Jeff's content covering it. So I can't wait to dive into it this weekend. Nice. That's Devendra's Returnal Review. It's available at Engadget. Jeff, hit us up with your weekly plug. Yeah, if you want to hear more talk about Returnal, uh, I talk about it on my video game podcast, DLC, amongst a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, it's the the first of the shows that I came back to after my little uh, hiatus dealing with family stuff. Um, and this week, we had a guest, uh, Jan Ochoa from Giant Bomb, on talking with us about all kinds of fun stuff. Um, if you haven't listened to my video game podcast, give it a shot. I think you dig it. It's called DLC. You can find it at 5x5.tv slash DLC. All right, those are our weekly plugs. Let's get to our review of The Mitchells versus The Machines. Let it begin. The last humans must be here somewhere. 
wings. They're coming. Is that a burnt orange 1993 station wagon? Or is it? Ah! Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the only people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone. Let me introduce myself. I'm Katie. I'm sort of a weirdo. My parents haven't figured me out yet. To be fair, it took me a while to figure myself out. My brother, also weird. Hi, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No. Okay, thank you. And my mom. Katie Face Cupcakes. Ah! All of us, really. How about we put our phones down and we can make 10 seconds of unobstructed family eye contact. Starting now. That was from The Mitchells versus The Machines, newest film by director Mike Rianda. And it's from the team that brought you films like uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Streaming right now on Netflix, I'm going to read the plot stream from IMDb. A quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Dank Vosden, your thoughts on The Mitchells versus The Machines? Well, Dave, I, I think it's actually important that uh, we also mentioned that this is the same studio that brought us the Emoji Movie, um, because uh, we're—I think—we're seeing like a cataclysmic rise, or maybe those words shouldn't go together, but uh, we are seeing this huge emergence of uh, this studio, and I think hitching their wagon to Phil Lord and Chris Miller has been tremendously successful for them, because this movie, I think, is pretty much a success from from start to end and a, a lot of that is i think due in part to the animators who are behind this and the writers who crafted this story i think this watching this movie um and into the spider verse makes me less worried about the future of animation um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know as we're seeing kind of the complete eradication of hand drawn um, a- animation, you know, we're even seeing Studio Ghibli dip into frightening territory of, of 3D animation. Um, you know, I, as much as I love the Pixar stuff, they are really largely aiming for photorealism and that has its place. And those movies are beautiful, but uh, I'm glad that someone has kind of like uh, picked up the, the other shoe, if you will, um, and has not even attempted to do that and is going for like real artistry um, that is akin to 2d animation. You've got like erratic, oddly shaped people, hand-drawn looking designs. Um, it, it's uh, the characters are reflective of, of themes and you've got these weird humans and sleek robots. And if this movie was silent, I would have said it was a, a triumph. Mm-hmm. So um, great to say that it has a really good story too with characters that uh, I thought were really fun to watch on the screen. So I, I really enjoyed it. I do think that it's a bit too long. Um, the jokes are so constant and quick that at two hours, there was a point where I felt like I kind of went a little numb to it all. Like the mania got a bit exhausting. Um, maybe it was just that I watched it on a Friday night, <laughs> uh, but uh it it definitely like had diminishing returns as it went on, but there are some strong emotional beats that I think uh, really really work uh, in this movie. So safe to say, I I enjoyed it and, and recommend it. Yeah, uh, when it comes to the question of hey, should we use 
2D hand-drawn? Should we try to make this look like a comic book, like Into the Spider-Verse? Should we try to do more of a Pixar, like Incredible-style look? The people behind this film said yes. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and all all of the different media yeah. and all the and different also live action are, footage yeah. and live yeah. action footage and photos are in the movie as well so uh it, it's kind of um a celebration of all those all those things i think uh divinder hardware your thoughts on this oh yeah i mean come on how, how can i not love this movie this movie gets at the heart of everything i personally love and it's also bursting with creativity like that, that is just the thing. And maybe, maybe after a certain point, it starts to go a little overboard, but I, I, I love the, I love the themes of this movie. I love the idea of this very weird family that is finding a way to finally con- connect and talk to each other. They're weird in their own respects, but I think uh, anybody watching this can kind of uh, point to like their own families, you know, and the, the things that are strange about them that are also unique to them. I think that also makes them special. Um, love the style of this film too like you did a good job like bringing all this up dan but i have to say after recently finishing the uh the invincible finale and i've talked a bit about how i feel about the way that show looks um that that finale at least had a little more money in it i think than the rest of the series but man this is i'd be happy watching a lot more content that looks like this because yeah it's it's not quite 2d but if it's a way to produce things that look like this, um, it's kind of like slightly cell shaded, I think is, is the way you think of it too. I, I dig the aesthetic. Uh, I dig the world, love the voice cast here too. It's just like, like all anything tied to Lord and Miller. Like it is genuinely heartwarming, really funny at times. I agree. It's probably a little too long. Like if it were closer to 90 minutes, it, it would probably be perfect. And there's some elements that we'll talk about later that maybe, just feel weird and out of place. Like the way the dad is centered in this movie or the way he's portrayed feels a little weird to me. I think Danny McBride does a good job, but the dad is basically the dad from every nineties or eighties family movie. And uh, this is a movie set today, you know? So it's like his, uh, his interests and his uh, inability to use a computer properly are things that feel a little um, archaic. I yeah. think in the context of what yeah, he would be what in his thirties, you yeah. know, feel like anybody <laughs> yeah. in their thirties knows where, how to use a computer. Were you living in a cave? You yeah. don't know how to type a type a web address. Um, yeah. So like that, that, it's kind of funny, but it's also like, did you just take this right out of like Pete and Pete, you know, or anything from the nineties? So it feels a little out of place, but uh, I love the family, dig the characters quite a bit. And yeah, uh, Abby Jacobson, I think does a fantastic job here too. There's a lot of tech commentary in this movie, but it doesn't really amount to much other than um, be nice to your machines, I guess. Or I disagree. Will, I disagree. Yeah, I think that ultimately the movie is what well, here's what i can say about the tech commentary it's uh-huh. not simplistic it's not all tech is evil and you should fear it right it is both a uh a, a stern warning about the dangers of and a celebration of technology i think sure sure um, i mean but yeah but, i mean these these machines just want to enslave humanity i, I have <laughs> when we talk about spoilers um yeah. i i would i have i have quibbles about the way they portray certain things because it's like um uh i don't know we've seen skynet have a distributed you know evil network uh in 1990 you know in the 80s in the 90s and uh not not quite that expansive in this movie apparently but uh, we'll talk about that (laughs) i don't want to jump on david or jeff's uh reviews but uh i i I do like from my point of view i really enjoyed the family dynamic and what was going on there and the tech stuff. 
but I felt like there were a large parts of this movie where marrying those two storylines together didn't always work. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure what the robot apocalypse had to do with someone's struggle with film school. And I think it ultimately ties that bow, but there's a large part of the movie where I was like, how are these connected? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of would make more sense if she was like an engineer or something like some like a, a direct coder. way to put it together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I have some further thoughts on that. Again, we can get to it in spoilers. Jeff Kanata, though, what are your thoughts on the Mitchells versus the machines? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about the Mitchell. Mitchell's <laughs> <laughs> Best summed up in the form of a limerick. It's the wonderful animation that provides such jubilation, but I wish it remained a bit more restrained with the robot's machinations. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Some critique in there, too. Yeah, I find myself in the inevitable, inenviable, excuse me, and maybe inevitable. I think maybe unenviable even? Unenviable? Uh, Is it unenviable? Yes, I guess it is. Yes, yes it is. Uh, Either way... (laughs) The position you're in the hot seat, yeah, of of being where Dave Chen usually is what? on a review, wow. which is what I really really liked this movie and don't think that I didn't really really like this. But you're movie. You spent this review talking about everything you don't like about it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did definitely didn't like it as much as everybody else here, at the t- or at mm. least I don't know what Dave thinks. But yeah. uh, the uh, Dan or or uh, Devendra, mm-hmm. um, I think for me. The joy of this movie is like 80% how it looks. Uh, it, As you guys have enumerated, it is beautiful and just inventive and stunning and fun. Like just the, the way it is animated is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really exciting that we're seeing the dawn of this new visual style that I think is going to take hold and be its own thing, right? There's a sort of Pixar visual style and there's a sort of uh, DreamWorks visual style. And I think this is going to be its own visual style that, that I thought was just unique to into the spider verse, but feels like it's now going to expand and, and be relevant in other properties. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's vibrant. It's fun. It's meta. It it's, it's great. And the movie did make me cry. I mean, I'm, I certainly am in a place where it's you know, a dad fathers and daughter and movie, fathers yeah. and daughters right now, yeah. you know, and there's a lot, there's, you know, flashback sequences of her really young. And I was like, a mess, oh. you know, but, um, and it's also sort of about like giving up one's dreams for your kids, you know, which mm. is kind of a beautiful thing. Um, but I will agree. I think with the thread that Dan was leading us on just a moment ago, which is, I think basically Everything having to do with the ev- adventure of this movie, it, it, it doesn't really work for me. And I say that because I think the setup is so strong. Mm-hmm. It, it sets this thing up in a very sort of grounded, real place. Yes, we are looking th- at the world through this young woman's perspective, which is full of cross media uh, imagination and you know we're we're seeing her take on the world and how you know these 2d elements explode out of the screen because of that's kind of her take on things but we we get to see that because we're looking at the world through her perspective everything else is really a grounded almost naturalistic take 
on very relatable issues. The idea of moving away from home for the first time, the idea of not feeling like you fit in, the idea of how family changes from when you're a little kid to being a teenager and just feeling like you need to kind of push back against the the people that have been in your life since you were born and all of these like a sense of identity and who am I and what, what, how do I fit in, in this world? And, and, you know, from the parents perspective, how, you know, what do you do with a teenager? All these things that are very, very normal and relatable and interesting concepts for a movie like this to tackle. Mm -hmm. I was so into it. And then it layers on this sort of very relevant uh, you know, ripped from the headlines tech stuff of like, you know, how much do we need? Do we trust these companies? And yes, it's very general and obvious and on the nose perhaps, but also interesting. The setup is really good. And then the movie just launches into complete cartoony fantasy, which I understand that's the genre we're in, right? We're in mm-hmm. a big sort of kids adventure movie, but immediately these robots have like anti-gravity rays and like all kinds of goofy sci-fi. And and believe me, I'm the last person that you will hear say most of the time, I want less sci-fi in my, in my movie. But in this case, I feel like the movie would have been way stronger if the threat here could have been plausible mm-hmm. on a certain level, right? Mm-hmm. If it wasn't cartoony, if it was like, okay, a bunch of robots are attacking the world, what's what's that yeah. like? Well, plausible you know? or like a more of a direct metaphor for kind of what the conflict is because the actual conflict of the movie is just like, she, she just kind of does, doesn't like really communicate with her dad really well and he doesn't quite communicate with her, but it's not, it's not right. the end of the world. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not an abusive situation. It's just like, hey, we're, I wish we're just it not was quite gelling. Yeah. I wish it was more a goofy movie and less Ready Player mm-hmm. One. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, when yeah. you say a goofy movie, like the the actual goofy movie, the Disney, yeah. the a Disney goofy movie, the yeah, master, where, the 1995 yeah. film, a goofy movie. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody else holds it in quite as high regard as I do. <laughs> I love but, it. Yeah, um, you know, you've got wow. Max and his father like traveling across the country, and it's all about you know, the, the disconnect between like father and son and learning to appreciate each other and, and learning to communicate. I mean, it's like the same movie. You should probably rewatch big... a goofy movie, Dave. I think you would actually really enjoy it. That movie is fantastic. Yeah, no, no disagreement. Yeah. I'm I mean, just impressed by the deep cut. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie, um, this movie gets to like a, you know, anime level yes. insanity, just complete, mm-hmm. like detached from any sense of reality. And there, there was a, point at which i was like oh the end of this movie is going to be this was her movie that she made Mm -hmm, right this mm -hmm. was all of this was in her head and none of it it was all her interpretation of these moments instead of the actual events that happened but no that's not what happens at all (laughs) you know the the movie really is just this big goofy bonkers uh, animated film and there's a joy and there's a fun to it Mm -hmm. like all of those sequences are fun and inventive and and kinetic and interesting but ultimately like i just think it would have been a better movie if either a they embraced the fact that we're looking through the eyes of a girl who you know like a like a scott pilgrim almost mm-hmm. like it imagines the world in these outlandish you know pan media yeah. influence Th- those fights really happen though but they're all metaphors for the conflict of what he's going through you know right exactly yeah. but but you know what i'm saying like they only happen in that way because of how he 
intellectualizes the world. Anyway, sure, I'm not going to sure. compare it to Scott Pilgrim, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, <laughs> the idea that, that what we're watching is sort of an outgrowth yeah, that, that's of actually her good, perspective on the world. It's a great comparison. It is a great yeah. comparison because it is about, that movie's about dealing with baggage and the, he's literally fighting and dealing with the baggage, you know? So yeah. this doesn't but, feel so like that, that connection is there. Yeah. Either that or they, they stick to like a goofy movie where mm-hmm. it's more, like, yes, maybe there is a robot apocalypse happening, but it's all sort of, the only the only leap of logic that we need to make is that there are robots, right? right? Not right, that there right. are robots that also have, uh, you know, anti gravity pods that float in the sky. You know, it's I, like, I do wonder what is the line for you, Jeff? Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeff draws the line at uh, nano suits for nano Tony suits, Stark. No nanotech. Uh, yeah, yeah, no nanotech <laughs> and uh, the robots close. and the pals robots in this movie. Nanotechs are just very small robots. I mean, so. I, I think I yeah. actually think you guys can can you can see the the through line. Yeah, it, yeah. it is it is all just sort of like hand wavy, right? Uh, nonsense if there's no there's no like there's no internal logic to any of it mm-hmm. you know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For, for me the biggest disconnect here is that the villain of this movie has literally nothing to do with the main characters of the movie like yeah yeah it, yeah. it is yeah. it feels like it's plucked from a completely different storyline and yeah you could maybe make a thematic connection maybe but like th- those characters feel like they're on no path to collide with each other except for like apocalypse Right. Mm-hmm. Jeff, Jeff, you're a you're a title connoisseur, right? And mm. by title connoisseur, I mean you have strong and often negative opinions about titles, right? Indeed. Yes. Uh, not so, not meaning to imply you have any expertise whatsoever. Um so <laughs> yes. do you are you aware of what the original title I think the for the word you're looking was? for, Dave, is snob. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was actually going for asshole myself, but yeah, uh, oh, that, that oh, snob works fair. as well. No, I'm just joking. Um, are you aware of what the original title for this movie was? I'm not. I believe the original title was Connected. That was oh. the original title of this movie. Yeah, this is far superior. This is uh, better. Okay, great. I'm, I'm glad and you also, think so. Yeah, if, if they were trying to sell that idea of connection, that still doesn't quite work. Right. Even the, though it's a good the, the word. The idea, yeah. exactly, like the the villain thematically connection, like thematically mm-hmm. connected to the to the theme of the the like what the family's going through. It doesn't quite land to the point. It doesn't land to the point where I don't even know if they were trying to do that. You yeah, know what I mean, like, right. um, I don't think it's like, hey, aren't we? Don't we have more ways to connect with each other? There is this moment at the beginning of the movie where the dad says, like, hey, let's all not use our devices for twenty seconds, yeah. you know. And yeah. this is very nice. look at each and other in the eyes. Yeah, you could see probably there's an earlier version of the movie where that was like a bigger theme, right? Like, yeah, that hey, we can't connect with each other because of the technology, and now the technology is taking over the world. But th- they really, it really didn't survive into the final draft of the movie, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. You guys are right. Like the movie's a little bit worse for it, or maybe they decided, hey, we did have it, and it just was too clunky and on the nose, and they took it out. We don't know. Um, but, uh, I would agree. I would agree with you guys that like, it's, yeah. it feels a little bit weird that the villain just is completely out of nowhere. That said, I, I almost feel like yeah. it'd be nice if this was like a Cloverfield type of situation too, where it's like this, the apocalypse is happening, right? But it's not like directly them mm. saving the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say, I thought Olivia Coleman was absolutely delightful as yes. Pow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. One of my favorite performances of hers. Inspired just, casting too. Yes. Yes. Like totally not who you'd think would be yeah. in that role. So all um, the individual pretty, elements are great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to spoilers for this movie starting. What, right what, now. Are, what are your full oh. thoughts though, Dave? Oh, I, I, I like the movie a lot. I like the movie a lot. I think it was, it may, you know, you know, any movie that can make me cry, I'm just like, wow. 
Uh, this is a, I, I give this movie like a baseline of points. It cannot sink below this level because if it can make me feel something, yeah, sure. Then surely it has accomplished. It does but, work on an emotional level, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I cried. I, I, I overall quite enjoyed it, but I agree with all of your concern, like complaints about. It. I mean, on the other hand, it's also like I don't know that we're like the primary target audience for this. You know, I would feel differently if this was like. Yeah. Into the Spider Verse, I feel like okay, we we can say like we are supposed to be the audience for. But Into the I look at the Lego Movie. I look at so much of what Lord and Miller have attached themselves to, and yeah, there's always true. like an intelligence and a consistency within it. And this this movie really survives on its personality. And, and how I'm many kids know yeah. Furbies? Right, right, right. <laughs> none of that. Well, I, I think I think yeah. like any like a lot of animated movies, this movie is. Like I watch it and I'm watching it through the eyes of the dad. Yeah. And a yeah. kid a kid will watch it through the eyes of the 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 child. I, so I, I think honestly it works wonder both ways. If any kid will feel even like this dad could be my dad. Because no, this dad is from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right, let's get the spoilers for this movie starting now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because of course you're not gonna see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it you don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right, Devendra, I think you had some strong thoughts let, on the let, ending let me, here. Yeah, the the thing, like more than like the the disconnections you're feeling, Jeff, is just like this. Uh, this robot apocalypse really ends pretty pretty easily because apparently it all comes down to one evil phone and yeah. not like an intelligence that spreads itself to the cloud in every single machine and has no single source. So it can never be defeated. Skynet did this year decades ago. So it does yeah. seem like a, a weird thing, like where well, they it have makes any sense. None, none of it none, makes sense, uh, but we, yeah. you know, at a basic level, if you want me to accept flying robots and everything and all this stuff, like at least match the, you know, the reality of where we are now, where anything bad that is intelligent will use the internet to replicate itself or be, you know, formless in the, in the cloud, right? There is no cloud really in this movie because it really all comes down to that one pal phone. But what, I mean, yeah. what, what is the place we are in at the end of this movie? Right. Like, when was that built by whom, how, like no, it, the movie just doesn't care about any of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, there's no internal logic whatsoever applied to the plan of the robots, to the execution of the plan of the robots. It, it is all just action movie zaniness, or not even action movie, but like, you know, kid animated action sequence, set piece uh, zaniness. And I think it suffers for that. Those, those sequences are spectacular. I love mm -hmm. seeing the mom as the samurai warrior, cool. yeah. you know, cyber ninja, but like f for, to what end? For why? And there's no setup for that whatsoever. It's the mom's superpower of her kid being in danger. Okay. But it, all of it just is sort of jumbled together mm -hmm. in the third act. And yeah. I, I, it, it bums me out. I yeah. think, I yeah. think you're right, Devendra, that basically the other stuff that we've seen from this crew felt smarter, right? It felt like, Oh, this is, this is not just complete nonsense from a plot's perspective. Like there's actually thought goes behind this. And this movie, I guess I just kind of went a little bit easier on it because it just revealed itself to me to be primarily for kids. Right. And it's just like, Oh, they don't, they don't even care about any of these things. And that's sad because it makes the movie kind of less, um, durable, I guess, as a, mm -hmm. as a thing that I would want to watch again. Um, but, 
you know, I, I do think at the end of the day, it's it might just not be for us, or they don't care about the same things that we care. I, about, I, right? But the thing is, too, like all the ref, so many of the references, not just Furby, right? But it's the true. Kill Bill reference, it's true. Like, the, yeah, the whole, there's yeah, a whole Kill the Bill music. Sequence. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the like, dads. Yeah. It, it feels like a kids movie made for people who grew up in the '90s. I, right? I do think yeah. it cares about us because I think there are enough solid payoffs to things. Yeah. You know, that that work that it makes the ones that don't work really stand out. Like mm-hmm, for me, mm-hmm. I think about the brother who's really into dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And it's like it could have been anything because it just the only place yeah. that that goes is that he meets another girl that's into dinosaurs and we play with the kind of classic trope of like nerdy kid meets his dream girl and can't talk to her kind yeah. of thing. Um and I was like, "Well, okay, what was the point of including this character in this?" Yeah. I thought maybe he would become something where his partnership with his sister would, would evolve in some way. Um, but no, so th- there are things that pay off, but uh, that are satisfying. I think like the, the father daughter, mm-hmm. the little moose carving was really, oh, beautiful. uh, made oh, me tear up too. That, yeah. uh, that beautiful. also really hit me. Like the emotional beats of this movie hit me really hard, but yeah, the idea that you kind of have to give up on some of your dreams. If you really yeah. want to make life better for your kids, guys, in my ideal world, I would not be living in Georgia, you know? Yeah. In my ideal world, I would still be in Brooklyn and in New York and in a city that I love so much. But I made that exact same sacrifice to mm-hmm. bring my kid somewhere a little safer and near family and everything, too, in a, in a better environment. Because, you know, it's yeah. really hard to raise a kid in a big city like that. So it was it was opposite because he was raising his kid in the woods. But I kind of felt that. Um, the weird thing, too, is that this movie doesn't make the dad very sympathetic early on because like um who just cancels their kids plane tickets you know the thing that they've been like uh (laughs) waiting for for so long you know for at least a year there's no way where (laughs) i think that is a good idea it seems really weird and manipulative at the beginning too i i do think it's it's weird that this father character and his daughter are are and this is something i think that you see a lot of in in movies of this type is that these characters are treated that as as if they have the same emotional maturity level, right? Like right. if anything, she's the more mature person than him. And I, I guess it is noble to, as a teenager, see that you know your parents are flawed in some way. Mm-hmm. But it makes the adults really like hard to to relate to or or uh, let go. And I, I, it also gives them kind of like an easy out in a lot of these things because they just don't have as much growing to do and. Uh, I don't know. I was just wrestling with that the whole movie. Like there's a scene where she starts to kind of like fake, uh, you know, uh, m- move their relationship forward. And until it was a fake out, we were, my wife and I were getting upset. We're like, Oh great. This is going to be one of those movies where she has to do all the work to right, accept right. him. And he doesn't right. have to change at all. And that's not this movie. And that reveal, I think uh, does a lot for that character, but it is weird that like these characters are treated on equal playing field. Mm-hmm. I think you make really good points, Dan, about specifically about uh, the setups and payoffs. Because as good as that moose setup and payoff is, yes. I, I think it's 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 the outlier here. Because I think the movie, for the most part, is really clumsy and inept with its setups and payoffs. I mean, that whole screwdriver thing is so clumsily introduced and clumsily paid off. The like, there he's sitting in the thing next to the you know, Zuckerberg guy. And that dude just happens to be watching his daughter's video. All of, all of that stuff just, it it feels like in a, in a more deft hand 
would feel surprising and gratifying when it pays off instead of, oh, okay, force, force that. Um, and, and I think over and over the movie kind of just doesn't earn its payoffs. And the, him watching that video is an interesting idea because it's like the father in that moment, the beat I think they're going for is he realizes that there is an audience for his daughter's work and right. that she can make a living off of this. And he's just for the first time seeing it, uh, you know, haphazardly as it is. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't mind that at all. It's just presented yeah, yeah. flatly. Yeah. Well, I'd say, you know, if if I'm trying to do the charitable reading of the film and and uh, trying to make it all make sense, right? I think it's kind of, uh, it's the Steve Jobs uh, think different you know, voiceover, right? Mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. here's to the weird ones and all that. Here's to the crazy ones, right? Is what he's yeah. And that's he's the like, whole movie. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. It's like the the people that are weird and uh, outside of the mainstream, like this family that isn't well put together. Uh, this girl that is choosing this career that isn't necessarily the most financially secure. These are the people that are going to help save us. That, that is what I think the movie might be going for, but I would agree. Or sort with of you guys, just like yeah. embrace your weird family. You know, right, em- every right. family is weird. The yeah. weirdness of your family is what saves them. Right, that, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. But, but there, I don't there's know one line quite, in this yeah. movie that I think reveals everything, right? And she tells her brother, was it like, don't don't hide your feelings? You know, mm. like when, when he's thinking about like, does he like yeah. that girl or not? And I think that is that is kind of it. This is a movie that wears its heart on its sleeve and it's all about being that open and being weird and embracing it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys too. Like I don't quite understood, I guess why the father who's also kind of a weird creative guy in his own right would kind of not see that glimmer, you know, of himself in her already. But yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, when you're introduced to these characters, their relationship is already bad. You know, yeah. you don't yeah. see it yeah. becoming bad. So you kind of just got to, put a little leap of faith on there that said i mean as you guys said the the scenes of them being young like her being a little girl and Ugh. it's just oh and then yeah and then she threw the moose thing in the trash guys i know what wtf well, i think cool. she didn't know i i, I didn't, my reading yeah. of the movie was that <laughs> she discovers its origin right, yes. no, as it's we true, do true yeah but but still but still anyway yeah um, also another setup payoff thing that really bothered me is the whole dog thing which like yeah uh, like the, the idea of her putting the dog on the front you know mad max fury road style and dealing with it is is cool and a, a really fun visual element but like did you any of you look at that dog and go is it a piece of bread is it like what it would confuse it's a really ugly like, dog you know it's an ugly dog but like but i i mean i feel like that could have been executed so much more interestingly yeah. and, well, i think yeah. they also need to pick the critique of the dog that they're going with because so much of the movie is about his eyes not lining up right and that's the cheer moment but then it's something about a loaf of bread and it's like well i was tracking the eyes thing first right yeah and i also just felt weird again it, it does kind of reinforce the theme of hey it's the differences the different people the different looking people the different looking things that are going to save us Mm-hmm. But yeah. it did feel weird to me, just that like the, there's this kind of punchline of like this dog is really freakish looking, and that that's what is gonna cause people to overlook. Like their brains yeah. can't possibly like comprehend the, like the how weird that dog that just got adopted. Yeah, yeah. We, all, we all love that dog that uh, is the you know the ghost of a Victorian child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In any case, in any case, I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, some some plot uh, concerns, some payoff concerns, some thematic mm-hmm. concerns with Mitchell's versus machines. 
Uh, fun fun and, ride. Great soundtrack, too. We didn't talk about yeah. that. But yeah, nice pulls. There's a great Talking Heads pull in the middle of this movie that I love. Yeah, good, good needle drop. the first drop. half hour is just electric. I mean, like, yeah. if, yeah, if yeah, you could is. sustain that for an hour and a half, then this would be really, uh, like, one of the best of the year. All right. Agreed. Well, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, you guys overall still enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but that uh, maybe you had some problems with it. And uh, anyway, I'm grateful to have discussed it with you guys. It's it's it made me think about it a little bit more critically because you know the the reviews have been very rapturous online. Yeah. Uh, but sure. yeah. always always good to get a skeptical perspective here on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, anyway. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. Find more episodes at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. On the After Dark this week, we'll be discussing Invincible Season 1 at Patreon.com slash FilmPodcast. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Uh, our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Dank Vazen, I want to say thanks again for joining us today. I hope you had a good time. As always, thanks for having me, Dave. Next week, we'll be discussing Stowaway, the Netflix sci-fi movie. And uh, I've heard a lot of interesting mixed things about it. So yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to uh, discussing with you guys. Should be. I heard be that the review. last episode really shits the bed, Dave. I mean, <laughs> you say that as a joke, and we'll <laughs> see how predictive that actually is in next week's episode <laughs> of the Slash Filmcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the Slash Filmcast. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.